Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. With Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, a wonderful episode with my new friend, uh, Janet Leahy, who you may not know, but she was a producer on innumerable uh, wonderful, iconic shows. Um, uh, Boston Legal we talk about. We talk about Mad Men, which is really what we bond over. Uh, so I was introduced to Janet uh, through my show, the show that we're currently editing right now, which will be on in the new year on HBO, uh, called Crashing. And my editor told me that Janet uh, heard that I was a huge Mad Men fan, and then I wanted to meet her because I love Mad Men, and I couldn't believe that she uh, was aware of my work. And then we had a wonderful uh, several-hour-long lunch where we just really hit it off, and I was like, oh, my God, you have to come on the podcast and talk about her uh, wealth of TV writing experience. As we kind of discuss in this show, she's, she's always been the sort of go-to person that's brought in uh, to shows kind of already pro- in progress and has a very calming, wonderful, uh, zen-like vibe that uh, you're going to enjoy now. So let's get to that as quickly as possible, <laughs> as I always say, after that lengthy intro. I do want to say that December 3rd is uh, when they are premiering my HBO special. It's called Bless You, Brody. It's, it's not called Bless You, Brody. It's called Faces and Sounds. That'll be on December 3rd on HBO. Uh, you can also use the HBO streaming uh, services, your HBO Goes and HBO Nows and all that sort of stuff. But uh, Faces and Sounds debuts December 3rd. PeteHolmes.com for all your T-shirt needs. Um, not Feeling It is being printed currently. So if you want a Not Feeling It chicken shirt, go to PeteHolmes.com and it will, uh, it'll be there uh, down below all, all the other stuff. Um, and our wonderful sponsor, Squarespace, is back. Thank you, Squarespace, for your sponsorship of this podcast. It is brought to you, as almost always, by Squarespace. You guys know whether you need a landing page that's something simple but elegant, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store. It's all included with your Squarespace website. So it's easy, it's powerful, and it is a way to show your support for this show. So start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. Thank you, guys. If you have website needs, go to squarespace.com. Use offer code WEIRD. Uh, PeteHolmes.com for t-shirts and whatnot. December 3rd is the HBO special. And Crashing will be debuting in the new year. When I have the exact date, of course, I'll be sharing it here. In the meantime, enjoy the wonderful and delightful Janet Leahy. Get into it. So many nerds. I love it. Oh, do you? Are you kidding? I do too. It's I'm... like you've entered another world. Why do you? Uh, this is Aristotle. You just met him, I think. Oh, hello again. Um, how long are we here? How does this work? Well, I would say a lot. What? Why? Just help me help you. <laughs> is it like a meter thing, or no, telling your son me. when to come thing? I like telling my son when to come thing. Well, he should know as a fan that it's. You. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that it takes about. Fan, it takes about two hours. Oh, okay. So, I'll but tell you see, I never like telling the guests that because then you feel like you have to go two hours. It really goes as long as you want. Are you going to put two hours of us talking on the air? I mean, it's already it? begun. Look. Oh, really? Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Hold on. <laughs> That's how you get two hours. You just start recording oh, okay. Hold on. everything. I want to know why you like a comic book store. 
Wait a minute. Hold on. I'll tell you that in a second. Uh, nope. Are we really started? Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't you like... Hello, everyone. It's like when you have dinner next to people. Like in Manhattan, especially. I was totally thinking that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And people think entertainment has to be so goddamn entertaining. Well, it also, yes. <laughs> Does exactly. it? No. no. I've been riveted. But Dinner with Andre. What's, is that a movie That's about that very, very thing? It's a very, very old. You have to see it's it. It's a well-known. Well-known. We've started. Andre Previn. And, I'm um, embarrassed. And, um, oh my God. He was a uh, character in an episode of Cosby that I wrote. Really? Wally Sean. You wrote a... I forgot about Cosby. We have so many things. Ugh. So many things. Hold on. Let me just finish this. No, that's okay. fine. Aristotle, I, you're still a vegan. You can't give a double thumbs up. You have to say something. I am. <laughs> What's your son's name? Uh, Alex. He's great. Alex. You're close with your son? Both of them. Chummy? Both chummy? Yes. No, I said both of them. Yeah, yeah. I, you can't hear me. No, I can can't. hear you. Oh, okay. I can hear you even better than you can hear me because I'm okay. wearing these earphones. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Dinner with Andre. Oh, it's it's old, but it's 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 literally. I think they recorded their actual dinner conversation, and it's it takes you all through life. Really? Yeah. It's a, it's like this classic. It was even before my time, but I, I've all seen right, it. Down. I you know I've heard about it, and no bit. I thought it was about Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that? That would have been kind of better. You You're going to be disappointed, though. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to eat that hot turkey? <laughs> I'm from France. What people don't know is I'm from France. <laughs> I can't do it. France. Does he have acromegaly? You have your click noise on. Oh, sorry. No, no. Okay, I'm done. I'm all That's done. That's the sort of iPhone tip. I'm like, are you aware you can turn the click off? I'm going to turn the actual phone <laughs> off. So. Make sure it sends first. I'm having send anxiety. Oh, no. No, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. I'm good. Are we really, is this, is this the whole show? Have I done it? Yeah, you sure can. Here, okay, sit, sit here. Okay. You're welcome. It's good to see you. It's nice to see you. I had so much fun with you. I know. Now we just have to recreate it. <laughs> Why are you so down? Come no, on, no, I'm morning. just kidding. It's great. There's no traffic on Sunset. I know it it's was the so best fast. Time to come to Hollywood. It's the best time. Where and were you? you oh, see. you live over on the Wester side. Yes, I do. And but I live on the Easter side. Am I supposed to put these on now? Here? Some people don't. I like it. Do I talk like that? Look, it's like you're on okay. NPR now. Now I'm sound like I should be important. Yeah, I'll be. T- I'll be your Terry Gross. <laughs> More gross than Terry. Okay, okay, come on, we're having fun. All right. But you zipped right in? No, well, yes, of course. But you could see the billboards because you're not worried about traffic. You mean you can... Is, and you could see funny. the creativity. It's a mass of, of human creativity I was, as opposed to nature, you know? <laughs> Instead of God's creativity, it's, it's our ours. own. <laughs> yes, it's very nice. It's I had nice. the same thought where I was reading the billboards and I was like, I like that this counts as work. Like totally. I'm reading them. I'm not going to watch any of them. Like I saw a poster for a show called Rectify and it was like... The stunning final season. And I, I was know. like, isn't it crazy that there's a whole... World. No matter how much you watch, there's a <laughs> you got rectified. Like, it's somewhere else. It's, it's in stunning. a box you didn't unpack. Was maybe a show you would have... Maybe I love Rectify. You know what? I hate to tell you this. It's bad? You're going to watch it. I'm going to watch you're Rectify? Gonna, you're going to like it. I actually sat next to the creator at a Emmy dinner. Like, when you get... Daniel Rectify? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the lead character. Oh, right. Of course. Daniel Rectify. Yeah. Based on Daniel. No, it's his first name is Rec, and it's the five. It's <laughs> oh, always Rec their show. T five. five. Yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. those shows yeah. that are the hits. <laughs> uh, no, but I sat next to the creator at a because it's like Mad Men. You have all these like Emmy 
things you go to, and yeah. you go with the same people. So it's like if I were ever to join a sorority, it's like pledging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your pledge class. Except so many dudes. A lot of dudes. Right. A lot so of dudes. Many dudes. But I had a great time. We sat next to this guy and his wife, and they were fantastic. And then we went home and watched, and we we're like, "Oh, holy cow, it's good." So write that down yeah. after my dinner with Andre. So okay, rectify. It's very. Um, in a beautiful way, what slow and upsetting. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, you know what I love because you wrote uh, your producer on Mud- Mudman. <laughs> on Mudman. Am I saying that correctly? Which is a Papua New Guinea show. Mudman. Mudman. <laughs> Mudman. <laughs> yes. Didn't you go to Papua New Guinea? I went to Papua New Guinea see, and I met only, the Mudman. <laughs> only people that have been to Papua New Guinea reference the Mudman of Papua that's, New Guinea. No, that's did true. you meet Mudmen in Papua New Guinea? We did. You told we me did. that you went on this trip. To a part of the world, you're Jacques, you're Jacques Cousteau. You're going places that no one goes. Not very much. You could have gone to Maui. No. You could have. I could have. I would have died. I, what do you mean? Because I, I have this like phobia. It's not a phobia, but it's an upset thing with um, manicured places. Oh. When they tell you which way to go on the path. Ooh. Right? We've manicured this hotel for you. Yes. So now your stay is manicured. So you're going this way. And it's, it's so like, you won't get lost. It's like a Four Seasons. It's like you go yes. left, there's a restaurant. You go right, there's a restaurant. Yes. You go straight, there's the pool. Yes. You'll exactly. be okay. Everything's fine. Right. And but that's good if you're shaken up. Yeah. It's really good if you're shaken up if and you had a really hard season. But you're not a high anxiety person in that way? Like you don't, you're not afraid of unmanicured places? No, I, I'm, I'm better. Because then, then there's more choices. But who needs happen? choices? There's too many choices. <laughs> See, I like Cereal Disneyland. Yes. I like Disneyland. Very because manicured. Why? Very manicured. Yeah, uh, but that's a different thing. Type of thing. It should be manicured. Like a yes. casino should should be manicured. Yes. But you want some bush. You want to hack away something. Or or I actually that's not true because I like being guided. I like going on these trips but not um, planning them so I go with a group but then I go with a group of strangers and I meet all these really interesting cool people how do you but you're so creative how do you and you're a writer right so that specific type of you know haven't you experienced the phenomenon when you're writing you're in this perfect place where you're really controlling things you know, like they said this and then they said this. Why do you, you roll your eyes? Because you think you're controlling things. Yeah, but you you are. I don't understand. You think you are. What do you mean? I don't think you control it whatsoever. But you do. You don't. Okay, if I were to rescript this, I'd say, Janet, yeah, you do. <laughs> See, I just did. And I'd say you're wrong and I'll tell you why. But you don't. I'm writing the script to put oh, okay. on in my backyard. And right, it's going to be called Dinner with, with Janet. <laughs> then you, okay, you but continue writing then. <laughs> you, what do you mean? At what point do I lose control? Because someone else is going to edit it? or No, because when I'm writing it, I've let, I've let go of control. Meaning you're letting it kind of transmit through you? Yes. So you don't – okay. I like yes, that. I do believe that. I, every writer I talk to, no matter how materialist or just kind of scientifically minded they are, they're like, yeah, except when I'm writing, then I'm just like a yeah. transmitter for pure, pure improv- improvisation. It's pure, improv, yeah. And pure – but like I write shit all the time that I'm very pleased with. As if I had nothing to do with it. I'm sure you've had that. Totally. Point, right? And then I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, that's funny. It's like doing a magic trick to yourself. Yeah. You're like, oh, I got into some sort of flow or rhythm. Yeah. And this you experience. Oh, I love that. So I love I you. miss it, too. You when, miss I, it? when I'm not doing it, I miss it. But you'll see that all the time. Matt uh, Weiner I, has said it to me. Sorry, Matt. I'm outing you. But he's like, looking back at Mad Men, he's like, I don't know, I don't know who wrote that. Yeah, of And course. I'll say that I don't even remember. I get these um, residuals for all the shows that I've written on for for episodes, and I'll be like, "Yeah, oh, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, that's so funny. 
When Zach Galifianakis did this podcast, he told a story of seeing his own face on a movie poster and thinking, I wonder if that's any good. Right. Isn't that funny? Right. So <laughs> it's you upsetting, really... too, <laughs> actually. <laughs> it is upsetting. Yeah. yeah, you can start to forget things. Yeah. Because yeah. I had a talk show that's now gone, and I forget so much of who was on, what we did. I'm just like, oh, right. But but I think if you ran into all the people that were on your show, they would tell you. And they would tell you. And you'd be like, okay, you have some of my memory. You keep that's our the group flame. memory. You keep the flame <laughs> alive. Yeah. yeah. These Some people are walking around with little matchsticks. We used to all be together, and it was a big bonfire. Yes. And now there's just quiet people with matchsticks. All around. And I have to find them and gather my you, own memories. Does, don't you do that? You like run into your high school friend, and you're like, For sure. I don't remember we did that. No, I know. I just tell you a whole story. I just had an old high school friend on this podcast just because it's like a jukebox that you could be like, tell me, what was I like in high school? And they remember unbelievable things, things that you don't remember ever doing or saying. And, and sometimes it's upsetting because you're like, I wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you were. Well, I was very religious, and I remember my friend uh, Jack Hamilton, who actually has a wonderful book about rock and roll. I wish I could remember the name so we could plug oh, it nice. anyway. Maybe you'll think of it. He's a wonderful writer, and he, uh, he told me that in high school, I said to him, he goes, so you believe if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell? And I said, yes. And then I said, it makes me sad all the time. And I have no memory of saying that. Oh, my God. It seems like such a key character component is like a guy who's going around very sad all the time all the time (laughs) because you must have been so fun i know but i was (laughs) but secretly kind of like sad uh i I, I believed grown-ups you see they told me if you didn't say the prayer you you weren't with jesus and if you're not with jesus you burn forever yeah i was like shit that's a that's a trust thing and then you're sad later because they were wrong and then you're sad later because they're wrong yeah that's i had that with catholicism it did you really yeah you just realize it's a very madman point. That's why I touch your arm. Just another person. Oh. You know what I mean? Like the person that taught you that if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell yeah. is just another person. Yes. That's a profound thing. Te- teachers, your teachers. Your teachers your... was just another yes. fucking guy. Yeah. Doing his best. I'm yeah. the age of the teachers that changed my life. Yes. And I'm just a fucking guy. You're just a fucking guy. But, <laughs> but you have experience. I do have experience. But and so I... you are a teacher. So. For sure, but when it comes but to the more vague, ethereal guy. meaning of life stuff, yeah, it's just it's just my best interpretation, hey, best guess, best guess, best and guess. that causes a lot of suffering. But what happened with you in Catholicism? Well, I had a, a, a break. We usually talk about God at the end, but we're flipping it. Oh no, who cares? This is good. This is good for your show because you're changing the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. makeup, which you want. Reggie, That's what we did on Madman all the time. Did you tell me? Flip it up. By the way, Reggie. anytime you have a Madman sidebar, just do okay, it. Okay, here's You'll, a sidebar, yeah, real quick. Yeah, uh, we do we do an outline. It didn't work. We throw it out. It happened several times. Really? And we're like, let's just flip the story. And that sounds fake and stupid. What and, do you mean by flip a story? Well, this guy, instead he comes, instead of him coming in here, let's have him come, instead of coming in the first uh, scene, let's have him come in the fourth scene and what mm. happens, or backwards or that. And we would we would flip the story, flip entrances, flip, you really? know, all sorts of things. And then often we'd go back to what we had, yeah. but it made us feel good because we had checked everything out. Well, it wakes everything up, too. Yeah. It's like you have a smoothie that's been sitting in your blender, <laughs> and it starts, it starts I'm to... I'm sorry, I'm going to break this <laughs> Yeah, you got to turn it back on and wake often. it up a little bit. All day. Or a soup. All day. I yeah, got you... my blender there all day. Yeah, you just, we shouldn't be leaving smoothies in the blender. But no. if you do, you have to wake it up a little bit. Otherwise, it starts <laughs> turning into a thing. So that's what we're doing about Catholic or religion. But anyways, when I was in my 20s, I was always a fearful Catholic as a kid. 
Yeah, a Catholic. So, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Thank mean you to tease. For very specifically. Speaking. I just find such solidarity there. The Catholics are the only ones that can give me a run for my money with like anxiety and fear that I still have. I feel like yeah. an honorary Catholic in those ways because wow. a lot of evangelicals I grew up with. I, they didn't get the scariness as much as my Catholic friends did. Yeah, the not, fire and, I don't and know why. brimstone, or, or or like the inherent evilness. You know, like there's something wrong with you. Yes, there was that. But my mine was quite literal. I used to go into church because you had to go to church on Sundays. Yeah, and I'd go in and I'd see the. Um, you know, beautiful Catholic churches. They're so beautiful. Yeah. And by the way, I feel differently about the Catholic Church now. It's just as a... Oh, I'd love uh, to get to it. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I know that we... It's circle. A, well, as a storyteller, you can appreciate losing it is a, a, a key part of having it. I'm not assuming you're a Catholic now. I'm just saying... No, but... To me, losing your faith is such a key component to having faith. It's, it's boy essential. loses girl. It's boy loses boy girl. Boy loses church. Absolutely. Boy gets church back. Absolutely. <laughs> it's soul music. It is. There's no... It, it's not anyway. You keep going. You go into the church and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So they kind of have you on your heels already because it's so uh, intimidating. Well, it's kind of like going to like Disney or one of the other uh, yeah. studios. Very they, but they make their well, and they make their buildings very um, imposing. So yeah, it has a power structure. Like when you go to Disney and they have yeah. all the statues everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, Disney the, the studio. Yes. You're just like, whoa, yeah. Disney. Oh, I got it. I was just accidentally went to the Wheel of Fortune stage. We were looking for. <laughs> I love a that stage. you accidentally. Went it was there. an accident. We were going to Soundstage Thirty. And we went to stage 32. So we just walked in and it was a museum for Wheel of Fortune. And then we realized we took a right. It was kind of like a Mad Men thing. Remember that part in Mad Men where, where, and this is what I love about the show, these moments that you need to realize, I'm speaking to the audience because this is something that I needed to realize. Everything that happens, this sounds so obvious, is scripted. So if Don is in the lobby and the door is open and the elevator isn't there and he looks down which is just the perfect kind of like expression of how we all sometimes feel that wasn't just because they were shooting and they were like hey we're a little short <laughs> why don't you just walk I know that sounds obvious but every shot of someone walking down a street it was scripted it was yes. in the script yes exterior New York Street Don walks to his car yes why include that why include him getting a cab because he doesn't he- talk much yeah <laughs> So you have to show every single. It's always it's shown. But it's so essential when I when I see shows that really take their time and let you, because that's the feel of going to a thing. You know yes. what I mean? The the feel of going to Papua New Guinea might not just be Papua New Guinea. It's the feeling of sliding the ticket off your bedstand, your your yes. plane ticket. You know yes. what I mean? It's something. I'm it's really the jingle going. of the keys when you're locking the door as you're leaving. That's what it feels like to leave. But, you know, oftentimes in bad writing, we just jump to Papua New Guinea. And it's like, what, right. was, it? what was it like? Right. What does it feel like? But on the other hand, and one has to be really careful, and this is probably for the audience, too, is that and here's what I find after going, and we'll get back to religion in a minute. Because yeah, yeah, we're no. changing form. I know. But anyways, I got I got this, this is great. That's our, that's, our, that's our B story. This is our A story. <laughs> so um, We're with Peggy and her boyfriend. That's right. Hey, Peg. <laughs> I got. You're mad at me because I'm I'm a deadbeat and you're such a go getter. You're like Lady Dawn. Oh my God, that's really good. <laughs> no, it's Do you know not. all of the madness? Do you know the whole no like cartoon figures? You know all the voices. I can I could probably do most. People. I mean, that's if I amazing. tried, if I tried. Do you want to hear my John Hamm? Totally. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I got to get real close. What do you want to hear? Yeah, thank you. It's very good. It's, very <laughs> it's good. only good here. It's oh, only good here. This, it's got to be in a oh, okay. sound booth. Because oh, I've done okay. it for old Johnny Ham, and mm-hmm. he's kind of like, yeah, it sounds okay. <laughs> 
But here in the well, you're in, talking to the man. That's not really fair. Uh, what are you going to do? You got to do a Mercedes commercial. That'd be good. I know. Why can't I do that? Yeah, Mercedes. I can't do it. As well. <laughs> it's pretty good though. Yeah, I love good. doing fake Don pitches. Yeah. But anyway, so... Go on, so yep. Don't point, let me get distracted. Okay, we'll get back to religion. But the point being is after I go to a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings. After Mad Men, people want you to do Mad Men. Just like when I did Boston Legal, they wanted me to do a law show. After Cosby, they wanted me to do shows about African Americans. It's uh-huh. just... That's, that's, oh, they go, that's what Jana does. Yeah. Because you're does, a proven... And nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> nothing else. If you can tell a story about a black family, that's all you can do. Yes. And there, and there, and you can work with the black people. Yeah, there was this horrible racist I felt back then. It's so weird. And you mean meetings, by the way? You meant studios and studios, and TV networks wanted cable. to meet with you and be like, "Yeah, can you run this show? Or can will you, you run show? Pan Am? Yes. Yeah, will you run Pan Am because it's yes, about the sixties? Because it's just because you know how to do it. Yeah, because you, you know. Except how for to... we're missing the soul. But other than that, <laughs> it's exactly the I same. I never watch it. That's another Me rectify. Neither, right? I've been told. That's but another rectify. For it me. is, but I'm not recommending it necessarily. I am recommending a double rec. Um, but anyway, so what happens is, but also I'll, I do a lot of teaching, and a lot of people. Um, and or I'll, I read a lot of people's scripts because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Because all these people helped us, and so. Um, but they want to do the same tempo as Mad Men. Uh, and I'm like, that's not your tempo. Yeah. That's not your tone. That's not who you are. And that's not what the show wants to be. And so you're boring me. Right. And so the thing you're talking about with the ticket on the tail, the jingle of the keys, right. that does work yeah. to a point where you're, until your audiences stop it. Right. But didn't they earn it on Mad Men too? Totally. I mean, the pilot isn't a snooze. The pilot's no. a, a great episode. And I say this as a com- it's my favorite show of all time. Everything oh. I say is a compliment. It is. Uh, it, it's it's soap opera esque. It has the great twist at the end. Oh, he's mm-hmm. got a family. It's a wonderful thing. Not boring at all. No. But then no. as we went, we earned more. Yes. Don staring. But that's that show, and that show did it incredibly well. But then the show found itself too, right? I mean, I think so. You have that experience of you put it all up, you erect the barn, and then yeah, you're like, yeah. I think it's going to be a barn, and then you step back and you're like, it's, it's a, a cathedral, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or, or a great barn, or, or it's a great barn, or it's a fun house, it's a bouncy yeah. house. You don't really know. That's true. So That's I have to true. imagine with Mad Men, like Matt saying he doesn't remember writing it, or he's like, I did I write that? Yeah. It's like you sitting down and saying, I'm not in control. Yes. These things have a will. Like, I, yes. I, I feel the same way about yes. jokes. All ideas have a DNA that they want to be expressed in a certain way. Can you tell me more about that? That's <laughs> don't, no. Don't interview. Me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, oh, you, you get can. that all the time? No, the joke is I always go, don't interview. And then I and talk then you do? for 15 oh, okay, minutes <laughs> about myself. But I uh, never heard that. I knew that, of course, with what we do. But right. Well, but the structure of the joke, or the actual words, or the actually, intent. It's in its identity, I guess. It's like, and I can make the point very quickly, so I will. It's it's like some jokes are New Yorker cartoons. That's just what they are. Mm-hmm. Talk about a Mad Men tone. Yes, yes. That's yes. not a Playboy tone or other places that you know publish cartoons. That's a New Yorker joke. You write a joke. Like, I think I accidentally repressed my good memories. That's a New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> that's funny. That right. was the first one I sold. You go, that's for the New Yorker. That's not for stand-up. You don't get up. You could. You could. But it's not right for me. So you kind of honor the joke and go, okay. it wants to be next to an ad for a fedora. God. It just does. <laughs> it wants to be in a brew-your-own brandy. Okay. <laughs> you. Next to it. Okay. And then some ideas are TV shows and some ideas are movies and some ideas are stand-up and some ideas, you know, they yes. all... Have, yes, and yes. some's a parody song. Like I think a lot of times when you're watching something and you're like, 
I don't like this and you're not sure why. It's because, let's say, a parody song. You're like, no, that was a one-liner. But you stretched it into a three-and-a-half-minute song. Uh, it should have just been one been quick one thing. joke or one thing. And the joke wanted you to do that, but you put it in the but wrong place. But you didn't place. listen to it. You took your date to the wrong restaurant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. This I is do. a loud, brassy broad. You should have taken her to <laughs> Dave & Buster's. <laughs> what are you doing at the Red Door or whatever? I don't know. Fancy right. restaurant. So go on. But yeah, so, so we, and we have this... Or I have the same thing. I, 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 for a long time, I wrote a lot of poetry, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But it wanted to write itself. That's right. It's like, no, I'm being a poem, and don't try to turn this into an episode of something. Get out of the way. So, yeah. It's like bringing in a flower and chopping it up. No, pick the cucumber. Yes. The flower stays in the yard. <laughs> yes. You can't eat the flower. Yes. They're edible flowers, but yeah. <laughs> so you write something. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> are. I was with you the whole way. I totally, the zucchini, the Things want to be things. Your poems want to be poems. Yeah. And then, and then later, I've actually taken some of the poems and used them as episodes. Isn't that great? Well, you told me that about the the great monologue that Donnie D has while he's swimming in the water. Mm. And I hope you don't mind me saying. Yeah, say, I don't know. Yeah. But Matt wrote that monologue. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what you told me. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we'll just speak freely. And if you want to take something out, we'll take it out afterwards. That's, oh, I don't you, care. Okay. So far, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, what I mean is, let's not worry. You told me that was Matt, something Matt had written. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even for Mad Men, and just was kind of like, oh, I'm going to put that here. This fits perfectly. Yeah, or some of that's the language. That's my memory of it. That's from from being in the room and and him saying, I have something from an old. Isn't that funny? It's just, it is like a garden. It's like your idea garden, and you go in and you're like, oh, I didn't plant this for Mad Men, but the feeling of some semblance of control over how I feel, oh, that applies to old Donnie D. Yeah, because there are certain songs that are stuck in us that keep coming out. Yeah. in different ways. Yeah. But, but I love that. And every New Yorker cartoon I've I've ever written for the most part has shown up as a line in a script or became a sketch or whatever it was. Wow. Isn't that fun? None That's of it so goes cool. to waste. No, I know. It is all parts of cow. But what I... was your poem? You you wrote a poem and then it ended up where? Oh, this is terrible. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I love right, it. I will say it, but I have to remember. Gilmore Girls? Uh no, it ended up in Boston <laughs> Legal. It was a poem about I was exhausted Sorry, Rick. This is going to be too personal, but what the heck? It's my husband's name, is Rick. Uh, it was. It was. I wish I was a Mormon so my husband could have two wives. Oh wow! And I, it was like, and so I can't. I can't recite my own poetry because I don't read it. I right. just write it. You're not an expert on it. No, I'm not. Someone else. Someone else is reading it quietly and memorizing. And memorizing, it. yeah, and yeah. then commenting on it. But yeah. the idea was that. So when I'm exhausted from raising the kids, you could yeah, I will go sit in a bath and steam and yeah. relax and 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 be quiet for hours and, and you would go to the other wife. To Tiffany. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You want someone else to take a so, shift. Yeah. Someone else take a shift. It's brilliant. So then when I did Boston Legal, I was like, I remember that. So we had an episode, it was a bigamy episode, but but the women wanted the husband to have two wives. Oh wow! And so it was a law case. I can I could barely remember it, but it was sure. a law case where the women shared everything. They both went to Costco together, and you know shared the toilet paper, and they, you know they split all the Costco stuffs, and they split their husband. Wow! And it was fine with them. And so what's the problem? And so because usually it's the angry woman, like, yeah, you know, for sure. He, he's still, well, that's you know. another way to flip it. That's something that Judd does too. Is he's like instead of 
I'll make something up because I don't want to tip something from our own show. But mm-hmm. instead of your high school friend being jealous of you because you're in show business, he comes and is, is disgusted and very sad for you. Yes. And you realize that he's right. You right. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's way better than, uh, and I liked Entourage, but I'm just saying like an Entourage type story of like, geez, Vinny, I can't believe you know all these girls. I only, this is where you realize I only do one voice. <laughs> one and a half. Don's a little different. Yeah, Don was okay. So uh, where do we, where should we go back to? We have ideas, we have transmissions, we and then we religion. have Catholicism. Yes. Well, you were saying about Catholicism and the Oh, going the into the church. Building. So yeah. we go inside the church and it's beautiful and they have those cross beams. This is a kid. This is my, my fear of Catholicism. Uh-huh. And there's the cross beams of these gorgeous, you know, planks of wood and and then they draw the you know they paint the pictures in between the cross planks right of yeah. beautiful whatever yeah and I always had this feeling this is some weird thing you don't get to know your irrational fears right that I that those beams were going to come down and kill me I mean that's scary but it has you it's like why would you have that fear yeah and why I, did you have that fear well why do you have your fears I don't know <laughs> do you know I mean sometimes we're like oh we almost got in a plane accident I'm yeah fine, sure but, yeah. But like, why would you know as a kid? And I would just be like, so I'd get in the middle between the beams, so it wouldn't. If it if it all came down, yeah, I'm gonna be okay. It's like I'll jump if the elevator drops right, right. before it hits. I'll jump <laughs> right, the at jump the up. End. Yes, I'll be okay. It, that's how it works. It's funny because whenever I watch, there's a show called My Irrational Fear. I think I don't know. It's this. like Hoarders. It's like Should My I Strange watch it? Addiction. Um, no. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe. Okay. It's somewhat <laughs> now interesting. Now I'm going to watch it. Yeah, now you're going to watch it. You should watch one. You should watch one. Yeah, if yeah. you're ever in the mood for like a, you know, one of those reality shows that just kind of exploits someone's psychological oh, that's problem. that's true. That's true. I don't, I don't think it's exploitive because they're probably getting paid and they're getting treatment. I don't know. But, well, but there's also the thing where someone says, oh, I'm not alone. Like I had a friend whose sure. sister was a hoarder and he didn't know she was a hoarder until he watched Hoarders. And yeah. he's like, oh my gosh. And now we he should owns get her help. every season. <laughs> <laughs> You're very fast. I love that. I love that. But my the, the weird thing is there was a woman who was afraid of things falling through the floor. That's what why it came to okay. mind. The idea of a ceiling collapsing. She thought her refrigerator was going <clears> to <throat> fall through the floor. Stuff oh, no. Like now yeah. I have a new fear. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, she's like, it's so heavy. It's heavy. Why isn't it falling through the floor? So it's, it starts in a rational place and then it kind of... Uh, perverted or like a perversion I don't mean sexually obviously but like it gets away from you right. and now you're afraid but the weird thing was she lived in LA and I was like at any moment there could be a huge earthquake and we, everything well, that's very explodes. rational why not just worry about that one like <laughs> Oh, why, pick a different one. Why make up one? Right. No one is going to send you the doctor if you're just like, I don't know, the fucking earthquake, and then just be like, yeah, you're goddamn right, and then you Nothing drink wrong with you. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Or if you've ever had like a thought sometimes uh, smoking marijuana, I'll be like, it's weird, like a meteor could hit us. Like that's true, like at any moment. It's true. Or you could, your heart could explode or whatever it might be. And that is true. And you don't have to smoke pot to feel that way. I know. You, you can just you, be you a just regular. Go right there. You could yeah. have a cup of coffee and just well, be like. That is actually what happens shit. if I drink a cup of coffee. Is that true? <laughs> hey, you get the heart palpitations. Oh, yeah. Well, you, are you not a coffee person? Uh, it depends. I, I drink coffee if I have to write. Yeah, there you go. Because then I think I'm brilliant. Yeah, of course. No, it helps so yeah, much. Yeah, it lets everything go. And I'm like, I'm brilliant. And then later I'm like, oh, I wasn't that 
brilliant. <laughs> so we're editing the show as as I was when I last saw you, the show that we're working on. And if I haven't had coffee, I'll watch it and I'll be like, I don't know, man. And then I'll have a little coffee and I'll be like, this is the best show. <laughs> <laughs> no. So when you tune in, uh, make sure you have, have some coffee. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> have a cup of coffee. You should have send coupons out to everybody. Yeah. For oh my God. It'll come with the, the with DVDs. The, with the Emmy DVDs. For sure. That'd oh. be nice. For your consideration. Yes. I like that. Getting ahead. Yes. Always. I like you that. Should, when you're on your show, you got to be ahead. That's, yeah, that's, that's your thing. Always yeah. thinking ahead. Yeah. So you thought the beams would fall, and and do you think it was a, a byproduct of a generalized Catholic fear? Or do you think it had nothing to do with the fact that it was uh, or that I had filled with anxiety and yeah. I lived with a bipolar mother it could have been that, right? that. <laughs> is that right I did because yeah. you do learn isn't that funny I think you do learn my mother very 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 anxious mm-hmm. the example she feels so bad about it I, and I feel bad that she feels bad about it but you know she learned how to drive when she was like 35 or 6 or oh something. wow wow now, she must have been older she was in her 40s I'm now realizing when and you she learned in the city. how to drive no, well, we lived in Boston, and she probably walked everywhere that she needed to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somehow she, she took put it the off. Metro or whatever. Then we bought a Volvo station wagon, and I have these very vivid memories of my mom, like making maybe not even like a suicide left, like four lanes. Like let's just say two lanes, and she's making a left. There's a car behind her, and she'd just start praying out loud. <laughs> And it was just, it did not, no, that's what I'm going for. It did not instill confidence. You're just like, oh, no. No. She's literally white knuckling and going like, Heavenly Father, please guide us, (laughs) protect us. Every dive is potential death. Every drive. Yeah, exactly. I think about that, too. So your mother was anxious. Yeah, she had a lot of anxiety and mental health issues. Bipolar. Yeah, so we lived with a lot of anxiety. People know bipolar, but people don't really know. I don't really know what it means. There's a mania. There's a mania for quite a bit. Oh, bipolar bear. Yes. Is there a bipolar bear? It's uh, it's the Mark Ruffalo movie, uh, Infinitely Polar Bear. It's about about a bipolar guy. Oh, I heard about that. I didn't see it. You flare up Uh real hot. Yeah. You've had a lot of coffee. Yes. It's like a lot of coffee. It's like when Charlie Sheen was winning and the tweet storm. Yes. Just that sort of God mode that we It is God mode. You tell me. What was it like? So, uh, well, there was many incidents, um, but when she was uh, not on her medication, she at one point thought she was a pool shark. Wait, yes. she thought she was a, a shark? A, a pool shark. Like a shark that lives in a pool? No, that he, she could play pool so well oh. that she could beat others. A pool shark. Yes, so not she, a swimming pool shark. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. this is where the comedy comes from. <laughs> and and we're, I'm very grateful because I had to, you go to comedy when you're a kid, right? You're like, this is, it's yeah. like sadness, depression, comedy. Yeah, I know. Mad Magazine, let's do it. Yeah. Right? Little escape, little perspective. So, yeah, and she thought she could rewrite Beethoven. She's a good piano player. And so she so, improved Beethoven? Yeah, she really felt very strongly about that. You know what's great? Uh, not crazy, forgive that turn of phrase. No, that's right. What's interesting is yeah. that in her mind, she absolutely could. She was right. You know what I mean? She yes. was right. Yes. And, and I yes. taste, again, I don't mean any disrespect to people that actually have uh, a diagnosed bipolar disorder or whatever, but... I won't even bring you into it. I do. I know that feeling of Me being too. like, holy shit. And you kind of love it. You're kind of like, yeah. and I've done interviews when I'm like that. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I'm saying <laughs> some crazy shit right now. But it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. I get, So I guess there's an appropriate amount of human mania. And I think everybody has that. I yeah. think everybody gets it. It's yeah. just some people get too much and, and some people don't get enough. 
where yeah. they think all their ideas are horrible. Right. And you're constantly saying no. You're consoling people. That's, that's a whole other extreme. Right. So you actually want a little bit of mania. Yeah, or coffee. Or coffee. <laughs> yeah. But you do get it naturally occurring, too. I have to... Yeah, I used to run a lot. I used to be a runner, and so I'd get it after running, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I have this brilliant idea. Da, da, da. Or I'd go hiking. A lot of times when I was doing Boston Legal, I'd hike, and I'd just bring a notepad, and I'd, I'd be like, if I don't have any ideas, if nothing comes to me, i got a good hike. Yeah. And if I if I get ideas, and then I get all these ideas on the hiking trail, and I'm like, the blood oh, it's flow. brilliant. Yeah. I don't know. But so yeah. that's like kind of a normal version of that, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's, I think we talked about this at lunch. I, I quote this constantly, and I think Matt Weiner probably wrote it. I think he told me he did. When somebody asked Don where he comes up with an idea, he says, you think about it really, really hard, and then you stop thinking about it, and one day it'll just pop into your head. Yeah. Similarly, I've noticed a good creativity hack is go to bed thinking about it. Okay. That's very helpful. So if you're writing something, you're reading it like right before you go to bed. You wake up in the morning, you exercise. Or, so this is like you jogging or whatever. And then you get in the car for a really long, boring drive. Which, <laughs> fortunately, I, I mean, unfortunately, I have to do. I have to drive about right. an hour and a half to get to the office. And talk about a formula for good mania or, or a good kind of – I want to stop idea saying Idea coming up. A good idea something. coming up with session. <laughs> Writers here, where right I'm, here. <laughs> where I'm using Siri to text myself dozens of ideas and like script ideas. And, and, and I remember not, not to hold my own ladder. <laughs> but I remember Judd being like, we need something here. Like something big has to happen in the second episode because a lot of people stop watching kind of – I don't know if he had like yes, the I numbers understand. for this. But he was like, okay, you got him with the pilot. Second episode, something sh- big should happen. Uh, this is a theory we were talking about. And we didn't have it. And then I just kind of did this and was on a ride. And I was like, ah! It's like, right. that great, it's like getting struck by lightning. You're like, ah! Yeah. Who doesn't want that, though? I, I know. I want it all the time. I don't know if I can handle it all the time because I'm like – Well, you well, can't. Yeah. That's the story and then, nobody can. And then what was it like with your mom's? Uh, it was all oh, sadness. She would be in bed for several months. Months? Yes. So and tricky. What, how old were you when this was happening? <laughs> Doctor. Yeah. Uh, I find it significant that you haven't ten. told me how old you were. I'm just kidding. <laughs> ten. Ten. See, we run into this a lot on the podcast, the old enough to know age. You know what ah, I mean? That's it's interesting. Like not old enough to be really in, emboldened to move out or, or, or help or understand. Oh, that's interesting. Just old enough to get it. Yeah. Because did you have any younger siblings? No, I had uh, three older brothers and a sister. So they knew even more. Probably. Like we should my, have a con- conversation. I should talk to them about with that. With those kids. Yeah, yeah. That's a real trick. We but, but you're all in it together. So there wasn't like a loneliness. You there, were close. There, um, as close as a Catholic, Irish Catholic family could be, yeah. I'm imagining. Teasing. And oh, there's teasing. Teasing, and, and but closeness and competitiveness. Really? And, and funny, always funny. It was close, but it was uh, it was the You guys that. broke balls and stuff? <laughs> there was always, we had this, we had no money, but we had a swimming pool in our backyard because my dad was smart enough to build one for at least wild kids. Yeah. And so we'd have like swim competitions back. How many laps could you do without with holding your breath? Or to tire better. yourself out, too. I guess, and exactly. And something off. Yeah. So we'd like that. That's close. Yeah. Right? Isn't that funny? I, I bet that was also probably burning off some anxiety. Totally. I never even thought about that. I've been elliptically. So boring. I wish it were cooler. But I, <laughs> I use an elliptical. Oh, I feel elliptically. So, I feel so lame. But I've, it's good for the knees. Is it? Well, it's Keeps not them, bad for oh, the Oh, it's knees. not bad for the knees. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I've been doing it because I've been feeling strange generalized anxiety lately, which is fine. Because you have a show. Up. 
It's not. No, that wouldn't be. That would be specific anxiety. Like okay. it would be easier if I was like, I'm really nervous about the show. <laughs> then people would go like, it's great. Don't worry. You know, then I'd be like, okay. But it's just general. It's really just kind of um, my anxiety. The voice of my anxiety is what if they get me? That's that's what it, that's what it says. Yeah, and I'm like, who's they? And they're like, fucking stop asking questions. <laughs> stop what if they get us? <laughs> what if they get us? And I'm just like, they'll tell you when they want you to right, know. Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> they'll know. I've always said that if cops came to my door and were just like, we've been watching, come with us, I'd be like, yep. And I'm not doing anything illegal. Know, I'm just saying I would be yeah. like, here we go. That's Catholic stuff. That's, that's I guess, but that's that. Well, we that was Mad Men. We did that in Mad Men. With the this idea, the stranger following you. You yeah. just like well, when you he's mean on literally. The road. Literally, we took that, and that came Wait, from well, a film which I can't talk about because I don't remember. There's an old film that was about a guy who was being followed. Like. Help me understand. When was Don being followed? When he was, um, he felt it. Gosh, maybe we. Here's the hard thing, and sorry, sorry, listeners. I can't always remember what we did in the room and what was on the air. Oh, fun. He's pitched yeah. so many things. But see, all I want to do is go to Paul Thomas Anderson's house and watch the five-hour cut of There Will Be Blood. Oh, so I'm glad wow. that you can't tell. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, it'll be great. Yes, it's, it's very good scenes. that you didn't see all the ideas. Yeah. But, so but some of them were really good. Don's, but there was this notion in the room. And did please, you ever consider please, giving yes. Don lung cancer? I'm so sorry. Uh, no. Is that too hack? I don't remember. We gave it to Betty. Did, oh, right. She got it. I forgot. It's so funny because uh, recently great? I was rewatching the first season and she, there's this whole great scene that they wrote because I wasn't on it that season um, between uh, Dawn and Betty where she's talking about aging and how um, her mother isn't so ugly and how she wants to age beautifully. And then she f- says something like, I want to die young just so – I'm paraphrasing. I want to die young so I won't have to face all of that. That's what Betty says. Yeah. And I'm like, because wow. sometimes in the writers' room, um, some Josh Weltman in particular, he was our uh, advertising consultant, but very much a writer, no matter um, what. Even though he was the ad consultant, he gave a lot of story. But he would often go back into the old episodes and say, "What did we set up?" Wow! And, and that would help him come up with ideas later on. So it was just brilliant. Retro- By the way, for your next actively, yeah, season. Next season. Just keep in mind, I mean, yeah. tip for anybody who does Isn't that, that funny? Because there's what I intended, and then there's what happened. I'm not saying it got away from me. I'm saying it no, takes st- its own shape. Yeah. The you know- story wants to tell itself. Right. And then when you're in the edit, you're like, that whole thing that I thought was the most brilliant thing ever, and I wrote it, and I said it, I'm like, that's terrible. And you just cut it out. <laughs> I know. Like a whole like, little story, a side yeah. story is gone because yeah. it didn't feel right. So going back to your point, you're not in control. You're like, I thought this was my show. Really, the show is like, fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll be what I am. Well, and that's what we, in the writer's room, we would be all, and I'm sorry to be going all over the place Please, here. But, I'm taking notes. Oh, okay. But in the writer's room, it would be, um, we'd you know, do the outline or you know, beat out the story and then do the outline, and we'd be like, the story doesn't want to go this way. Mm. And you're like, if you would think we were nuts. Yeah. It's like, no, the story just doesn't want to go this way. Yeah, but everybody, everybody that I know that's hyper-interesting has some sort of reverence for what it is that they're trying to create. No, it really, It really does feel like visiting the Oracle. You know what I mean? You go in and you, you kneel and you present a bowl <laughs> of, of something yeah. and you see if it, the other thing, accepts what you wanted. But a lot of people, I think aren't too familiar with the surrender involved in creativity. 
It's like, huge. We always, I always, I probably said this to you before, but Cormac McCarthy, when he wrote The Road, didn't know where it was going. Oh, really? So he was writing it, and he was just like, I don't know if they're going to get out of this one. Like, just like completely in it. Yeah. These guys understand the feeling of you're the radio, and the song is just kind of, you're picking it up on the waves. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. You're talking about the following thing, too. The dawn was. Being oh yeah, followed. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, did but you there, finish that point? That no, you I didn't. Made? But just oh, the idea yeah. that that, that, that <laughs> no. you're being followed because you're well, going well, to be no, caught. Finish. Oh, do finish the other point though. What was the other point? Oh, I just I thought the point that you just made. I didn't know. You, oh yeah, you I do. That okay. One. Yeah. yeah dawn. I I thought you were going to say the whole series was kind of like one of those. You told me that the Cosby Show could be boiled down to. Oh, yes. Uh, Cliff just wanted a nap. Cliff just wants a nap. Will yes. he be able to nap? Yes. And that is the, the core of the show. And we, it's never spoken. It's never said I to the audience. But he never the writers goes, know that. Damn it, I just want a nap. He never says No, it. occasionally he tried to get a nap. Yeah, and no, he I don't remember. Why didn't he nap in the office? Well, Rudy knew where the office was. <laughs> That's what happens when you work well, at home. And we know the funny wasn't in that office. No. It was the... really not in that office. Ah! <laughs> Isn't that funny? It was like... Keep it out of the office? Yeah, why are we going to that office again? Nope. Because every once in a while, there'd be a little twinge of heart that he'd tell some young couple that they're finally (laughs) pregnant after years of trying, and they'd cry, and they'd be so excited, Yes, and then they'd eat a hoagie. Yes, and then (laughs) maybe you'd have a secret hoagie in the office. I don't know. And I told you this, because I'm wondering what the core core thought of Mad Men is. If it's, it's not Cliff can't get a nap... It might be, and I'm just talking this out loud with you for the first time, it might be something's chasing Don, like something's behind you. Well, certainly is, because, I mean, Pete finds out in the first season about his his, his brother and his, right. his and, and Dick Whitman and all that. Right. So all of that is certainly uh, presented in the first season. Right. So, there but, is something but, literally. But isn't that... But I, yeah. I was going to say, I don't, really don't want to talk for Matt Weiner, because that's his show. So Right. So in my opinion, as... Is, or just talking to two fans of the show. Yes, two fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I, I think that's what it's about. It's about so many things. I, I know. mean, it's about because uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. About because uh, I have to write male characters a lot, and I have over the years. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm now oddly after all these years just appreciating the fact that, that how hard it is to be a male, how hard it is to be the guy who has to go out and make that living. Even if even if you are in a, in a marriage where both people are working, sure. the feeling, whether it's true or not, is that you have to you have to come home. You know, it's funny. I talk about. I think it comes down to anatomy. It's the penis. It's the idea yeah. that you, the pressure is on the guy. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do this on stage. Uh, it's the idea. The reason why guys listen to Kid Rock and watch Iron Man and wear wraparound Oakleys and, <laughs> and drive yes. Hummers is because we can't deal with the the consequences of impotence, f- uh, emotional or physical. It's just yeah. like we can't handle it so we've been given this sort of guidebook that's like okay we get erections and they seem so strong right and this is the joke i say i've lost my erection because my dog came in the room and looked at me the wrong way right. you know what i mean so, <laughs> yes. so it's this balance of strongness and weakness but men don't really have the vocabulary to express their weakness and this is why we go around like drinking too much or, or bottling yeah. up anger it's because we're really really scared i know it's a cliche to say that women are secretly the strong ones but i'm like that's in your anatomy 
as well. There's a lot of like flowing. There's a lot of adapting. Yes. yes. And then there's motherfucking bearing children. Yes. You yes. bear. You're not that's, leaving. That's strength. And it's internal and it's mysterious. And men are obvious and external. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Where you're just like, there's, there's the penis. <laughs> right. Where the right. vagina really is a cave. It's a cave. <laughs> a mysterious it's cave. It's a mysterious cave. What's going to happen in bears there? bears life. Yes. You put something in there. and then, But anyway, going back to men. This is the 60s. This is smoking. This is drinking. Yeah. This is Roger and Don going up the stairs. And yeah. he throws up. Yeah. Is it yeah. dick? What do we call that? Dick measuring. Yes. Pissing contest. Yes. It goes back to our anatomy. And that's why when you watch a show like Mad Men, and, Dra- and Draper is such a archetype for men that's helpful to step into, uh, literally like... That's interesting. Just as you would Batman. I was telling the story when I met Valerie... Uh, my girlfriend, and the the line that I used on her was, I said, it's my intention to take you home tonight. And she was like, oh, you were just Don Draper for a second. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't know if I would have said that if I wasn't a huge Mad Men fan. I was like, I think it's sexy to just be very declarative. It, it's certainly not imposing, but right. just like, I just want you to know that that's what I'm thinking. Right. That feels like Don telling Peggy, like, You'll be amazed how quickly you yes. forget. Like but, just um, something like. But on the other hand, it didn't work for Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. What do you mean? Because he said to the woman, you "Oh, know, I'd right. love to have sex oh with you." Because that's how he felt. I know, but it's, he didn't say it cool. It's the medium. Yeah, I think Freud though is right, man. You got the little dick that's on fire. You're, you're inhaling smoke and saying, "Look, I'm a square jawline." Oh yeah, is a, an indication that you have a lot of testosterone, and testosterone is poisonous. So you see a guy with a strong jawline, you go, "He can survive despite the fact that the testosterone levels in his body are dangerous." Enter the cigarette. I'm inhaling carbon monoxide, yet I can make love to you. I'm drinking whiskey. He's not having a white wine in his office. No. He's literally, the show is a man getting things done while consuming liquor. (laughs) Yes. That is, like, fucking. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't stop me. That's why he's- superhuman. That's what I'm saying. It's superhuman. Yeah. That's why I put Draper in the same category as Batman. Certainly flawed and and difficult. But you're talking about the loneliness and the, and the, the- vulnerability of writing for men yes well no i was talking about the loneliness and vulnerability of being a man yeah and what is that you tell me what you're i just interrupted with my whole thing no but i love it <laughs> tell me what that i means just learned something i'm very happy about that yeah the testosterone one's a good one that's a very um and that is because like, we there's a lot of jeeps around la mm-hmm. and the, some of that is just unconscious oh my god fear, though i don't know if they know they're afraid that's exactly right. And and I say on stage, what I'm doing is confident vulnerability. So everything that I'm <gasps> saying is so I can great. also get an erection later. I'm not exempt right. from this. Right. But I'm like, look how weak we are. But I'm, <laughs> I'm batting my – I'm the gorilla that stands up and goes, I'm afraid. And people go like, oh, he owns his shit. He owns it. He's bet, truthful. Yeah, I bet he can fuck me. You know yes. what I'm saying? It's all – Brilliant move. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's – I mean – Now the, that's the tip for the listener. Yeah. <laughs> That's, exactly. the, that's the takeaway from this. You oh, can, my God. You can be alpha in your betaness for sure. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so when you're writing men, what, what, what were the things that you learned or had to keep in mind? Or I don't know. That's the thing. And that goes to the unconscious. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I had to write for uh, James Spader and, and uh, Bill Shatner, for God's sakes. And that friendship oh, wow. of those two, you know, and they're on the balcony with their cigars and talking about stuff. But Freud. 
It's Jeff. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's our friend. Yeah, there's our friend Freud. Uh, I think he was right. People people go around going like, oh, they disproved that. I'm like, what? You disproved theories yeah. on the subconscious? This makes you feel very good, can doesn't I, it? Can I see the data? <laughs> I know. On disproving? I know. Most of Young's work were paintings of dreams he had, and yeah. you can't disprove that. You can't. Anyway. But so it's true. You'd have to write stuff like that. Um, yeah, and, and it's just, I don't know. It's just very weird. But then I thought about it, and it's like, there's something to do with costuming. If you if they, if you wear the right costume, like if a man, like when my sons, when we go out with, with my sons, it's, this is actually on subject. Mm. Um, <laughs> they start to feel important. Like occasionally, we my sons are 23 and and 21, but when they're in high school, we'd go out to uh, occasionally to a very uh, nice restaurant, and they'd have to wear a suit, uh-huh. which they're not suit wearers. They're you know. If anything, whatever. They're men in their 20s. They're, we were, even then, they were teenagers. Yeah. But they, then my son would put on a suit and he'd start talking about the Henderson account. Isn't that and funny? He'd be, as a joke, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But he'd be like, yes, and now we're... And they start acting official and everything. Yeah. And you're like, that's it, man. It's we might totally well, the costume. We should just call our clothes, I have to go buy some new disguises. Yes. Like when you, totally. when you go to the Gap, you're like, I need some new disguises. Totally. And when I go to meetings, I have to put on the costume. Yeah. Because I have to be, if I have to be a showrunner, I have to look like a showrunner. Well, you're I, playing a role. You're playing a role. And sometimes I'm going to go to a meeting and I'm just going to be on staff because I don't want to run the show. Right. Which, that's another story there, but you can be quite you a good... You can keep the mustard stain shirt. Yeah. And just be like, I'm a writer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you could be, a, and you could also lead from behind. There's a whole theory on that. But, but, <laughs> but they there's there's the expectations and that's the same thing for men it's what the world expects from you and so sometimes you have to meet that expectation in your let's say in this case in your costume mm-hmm. because if you meet that expectation they'll relax and they'll listen to you mm-hmm. that's right and that's all you really want you're just playing the game to get past the game yeah you're like i'll dress like your boss so you treat me like your boss but yeah. really neither of us want to do this right but i have to imagine as a parent you have to wear the mom hat that's why i was interested that you're friends with your kids or close with your kids. I don't know if you yeah, use yeah. the word friends. But I, I was just watching. Have you seen the documentary Billy the Kid? No. It's really good. Okay. Fantastic. It's about a kid who clearly has something. I'm not a doctor, but he's, he's got something going on behaviorally. Mm-hmm. But he's very interesting and incredibly sweet. And his mom, who's known his whole life that he was different. You know, these are the words they use. She talks to him very sweetly and very candidly. Because it calms him down to hear, like, the honest truth. And she was saying, like, you know, I'm your bud, and you're my best friend, and you can tell me anything. And then she says, and I think this is very enlightened, she goes, but sometimes I have to step in and be the mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, you can't have a sleepover when you're 16 with another 16-year-old girl who you've only hung out with two or three times. Yeah. I, know, I know you think it's harmless, and I bet your intentions are harmless, yeah. but you're growing up, and I have to be the mom here. But I love that she told him, I'm going to put on the costume. That's so cool. Right? It's so cool. Because she's saying, we're just both, here we both are. Yeah. But I need to do this for you. Yeah. Do you feel, what was it like being a mom? Well, as a mom, I felt, I'd never said it that way, but she made it need to, needed to be that explicit really out, for, yeah. for whatever his difficulties were mm-hmm. um, or whatever, for whatever he had or was. Uh, but for me, I would be the mom and we'd hang out, we'd do Legos or da da da. And then if, if some, they were doing something they weren't supposed to do, I'm like, we're not doing that. Mm. But I put it in the we. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, we're not going there. Isn't that fun? We're not doing that. Yeah, we're together. Yeah, and we're not doing that. Right. And that's how I work. And you translate any any person who's been a mother or, or, or a father, I assume, but a lot of mothers are really good in business because 
they've had to deal with. My sister, a thousand years ago, ran a travel agency, and she owned it. And, and I said, well, what's your secret to running a successful business? Because it was before. This is many years ago, before yeah. computers. Yeah. And she said, well, being a mother, because um, I knew how to listen and manage people. Yeah. And, and because basically, the, even when you're in a work situation, it's the same. And I'll get back to parenting, but it's, it's the same. People just want to they be heard. Yeah. And once they're heard, and you say, okay, I hear you, I see what's going on, da da da, uh, we're not going to do that, right. what you would like. Right. But I do understand, but we're going to do this, and let's see if that works. Right, right, right. But it's always about we're doing it together. But unless they run out in the street, and then you start screaming. Right. <laughs> that's right. Isn't that funny? Stop! Well, you that, know? yeah. There you have to step in. At it's, but it's that. But that's, that's very interesting because that's flexibility. Yeah. Because that is a toggling all the time. Right. And I think it makes sense even beyond the intellect. It's, it's your mom talking to you past her role. And that's something yeah. that I'm very obsessed with. And I think that's what good entertainment can do is it helps you forget your identity for a while. Because wow. we're all going around in yeah. our Iron Man suits going like, oh. Right. But really, we're not Iron Man. We're the thing inside. Right. And when we're laughing or when we're in beautiful music or, or whatever it might be, People always say I was transported. You're, you're, you're extricated from the drama of your roles. Your and, own life. And yeah. your costumes. And yeah. you're just like, for a second, it was just two beings talking about a sleepover instead of like, oh, I'm your mother and I'm going to be very motherly. Right. <laughs> and that's why like, when I make my mother laugh or my father laugh, it took me about 35 years to figure out how to do that, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah. It, you know what I do? I do an impression of them to them. Funny. That's what makes them laugh. That, do they I, know you're doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I just say what my father said. I go, I got to call my friend Johnny Bidge. <laughs> fucking son of a bitch owes me 12 grand. My dad just starts That's like your other Mad Men characters. <laughs> yeah, no, those are more New York, New York accent. Jeez, Peggy, I got to go to the party. You know? <laughs> that, Very you know, close. Our impression of that guy is, babe, babe. That's um, poor Peggy. <laughs> Poor Peggy. Oh. Should Peggy have been with Donnie? Probably no. not. It was more, more paternal, I guess, right? Yeah. They danced that one time. I know. They danced. It, it was, was very nice. sweet. Very sweet. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, parent, oh, but here's what the first thing I learned about you was that you were the. It's so funny because I, I don't want to put it in this other category by saying it's, it's maternal, it's mm. for being a, a mom, mm. but you did have, you brought that energy to a lot of chaotic shows. Yes. And that became yes. your superpower was going, <laughs> was going in. Like Mad Men, I, I told you that I heard all these stories. There was lore about what a, a difficult uh, or I don't know if I just want to say difficult, but like a uh, high bar. There was a high mm. bar there. Yes. And I told you the story was that like – and I think he told me this wasn't true. But this is the sort of stuff I would hear. Two staff writers wrote their first script and then they, he read it and then they were just fired. Mm. And I was just like, oh, that's very, that's very Mad Men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, as it turns out. Like when Don fires his right. secretary right. and she says, why? And he goes, do you really want that? It's oh, so yeah. great. He's yeah. like, do you want me to tell you why? Yeah. It didn't work out. And then it's what lovely. he says to Lane, he goes, he goes, what am I going to tell my wife? And he goes, tell her. Do you remember this? You're, no, you're going to tell me. And he then goes, I'll go, oh, yeah. Tell her it didn't work out because it didn't. And oh, tell yeah. her the next thing will be better because it always is. Yeah. And he goes, I've started that. over a million times. This is the hardest part. Isn't that it's, great? It's beautiful. It's, it's 
And it's so good for us to hear. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. It's for Lane and it's for us. I know. And it doesn't work out for Lane. Yeah, yeah. But here we were. (laughs) It certainly does not. No. Poor Lane. Poor Lane. Well, talk about stuck in your roles. Yeah, yeah. That's a guy that was suffocating in his costume. He even dressed like a proper British person. Yes. And then he was like, I've been disgraced, almost in a Japanese way. Yes, yes. Like, I've been shamed. And Don's like, I'll pay your debt. Mm Mm-hmm. You resign. People won't know why. Yeah. He's like, I'll lose my visa. I don't know what to tell my wife. I don't know what to tell my child. So he's like, I don't know how to maintain the legacy when really we both know that the legacy is nothing. It's, right. just, it's just an idea. It's right. just something you made up that you're like, this is who I am. But he can't handle the ego death. So yeah. he would rather physically die. Yeah. Crazy. 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 But, but very human. Very human. Um, but yes, in, in, um, I don't remember the story about the staff writer, but, uh, yeah, but, but it was whether that's true or tricky. not, it, was, it, was, it wasn't while I was there. Uh, and this happens in all rooms. Uh, a massive amount of anxiety comes into the room with each individual. Mm. And, that, and that can come from the showrunner. It can come from the staff. Because think about it. Say, let's, let's take, for example, if you're a staff member, mm-hmm. you come in and you're like, I finally did it. I finally made it. I'm, on, I'm, in, a, I'm in a writer's room on a television show. I've been waiting for this. Yes. Or I finally got off of that sucky show and I'm on a great show. Yep. And then you have to do the job. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, crap, can I do this job? Oh, I can't do this job. I'm a fraud. I'm being I'm chased. I know all, all those things, right? The, what we were going back to. And so you bring all of that energy into a room. Right. If you have enough people with that energy, how much work can you get done? Yeah. It's a fearful place. It can be. Yeah. When John Mulaney, my dear friend, got a job on SNL writing, mm-hmm. another writer said, you feel like a fraud, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, we all do. <laughs> and just that talk, talk about oh me too right talk about my strange addiction or whatever hey me right. too i also right. eat kleenex i also feel like a fraud yeah and it helps it and totally it, but that's you that was i don't want to you're not the fixer <laughs> no i'm not but you would go in and help balance yes, yes. And what i can i could do that for instance when i, when I uh, took over uh, boston legal it was this weird fluky thing but all of a sudden i'm running boston legal and and i said to the writers who were all nervous, and it was all writers of different backgrounds, because that show was that way. You know, there was comedy writers, and there was law uh, drama writers, and there was a law writer. It's just like it's very interesting. Law yeah. writer being a drum drama writer also, but um, I said, uh, "Here's the gig, guys. We're going to get through this together, or or we're going to fail together, but we're going to do it together. Uh, all of your contracts are going to p- get picked up." So I took that off the table. Hmm. I said, "You're going to get the whatever thirteen. Nobody's getting fired." Wow. Can you imagine if you yeah. like somebody said that You're to you? You're the professor that came in and went, you all have an A. Because you all have an A. Yeah. You so all have an A. What can you do? Yeah. And that takes, yeah. takes it down. Uh, uh, with Mad that's Men. That's brilliant. Well, Did it work? Yeah. It yeah, worked. Yeah. Of course I, it worked. I mean, worked. you know, and then you keep working with but it. How but you much? have to work with it. Yeah, I believe that. It yeah. takes some maintenance after that statement. Yeah. You have to f- do good on it. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to do your best work with integrity. Yeah. And then, but and how then, much work in offices? And I'm struck with like here we are creative people, and then when you get to a certain level, and I, I'm fortunate to have written on shows, and now I'm uh, I don't run the show, but you know what I'm in my own. You're room. in management. Yeah, now you're in management. Yeah, it's like Chris Rock says, "You're a great waiter," and then they're like, "Now open a restaurant." And you're right. Like, oh, this is insane. <laughs> like I've said many times, I'm like, I wish I had gone to Drake. Like I should have majored in yeah. business. 
and inner office politics. I call friends of mine who are work. I don't even know their titles, CEOs. I don't know what they do, but I'm like, what? What is? What do you do? And they're like, well, you should read this book. And I didn't. I should have. Yeah. Because you do step on landmines. Yes. But yes. How much work in office settings is done to prove that you deserve the money and you deserve to be there, sort of thing? You know oh, what I'm saying? That's like, interesting. It's not a good idea, but you're you're repitching something that's already in the script just so you're not too quiet in the room that day. Right. When you're saying, like, no, relax. Just give right. me something when you have something. Yes. And if I'm in the room, I, I used to – if I'm running the room, let's say, because I've been – on Mad Men, I did not run the room and I did not – I was just there as an executive producer. And, 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 again, that's another – I can talk about that. Sure. But if I'm running the room – it's almost like, and this, is, this sounds like a jerk, but um, it's kind of like leading an orchestra. Because you've hired these people, and, and everybody's a great writer because you've read their work, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then, like in any group situation, somebody will be louder, somebody will be softer, and, and somebody will want to dominate. Also, that's fear mm-hmm. or ang- anxiety, whatever you want to call it. That's the guy on the big drums. Yes. And the poor violinist is like, any second he's going to stop. Yes. And I'm going to let out this exactly. sweet solo. It's totally. Yeah. And I think so, I'm that guy. I was that guy. I don't think I would be. Now that I've run rooms, I don't yes, know if I'm Now you know guy. maybe I shouldn't play the drums so but much. I was a guy that would get a lot of talking tos. Not in a yes. bad way. They were like, hey, you're doing great, but you need Give to it a break. relax yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> dong, dong, dong. Yeah. Because some guys are the snipers. That's what I would call them. They're the snipers. And What's that? People are flapping their gums and pitching a million things, thinking out loud, essentially. Yeah. Then there was always like Josh Lieb who now runs The Tonight Show, was in my room. And, like, he'd be quiet. And then when the room settled down, he'd say the perfect thing. And he's just like, how long have you been... Holding that. Lying down in that grassy field. Just kind of trying to lower your heart rate so it doesn't doesn't disturb your shot. And then they just nail it. And it's like, we could have saved a lot of time if we had a better conductor. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And exactly. And Not that's to say that saying. our conductor wasn't good. They were great. No, they are. But, but, but who teaches you that? Yeah. Who teaches you that? Nobody. Nobody. So how are you supposed to know? So anyways, my whole deal was because when I first started, I was very quiet and shy. Literally, the first show that I was on staff on, I would... Uh, my friend Miriam Trogdon, who's this wonderful comedy writer, I would lean over and I would whisper my jokes to her. Oh. That's how shy I was. Wow. I, I can't even, I'm like getting upset now talking about it. Why? Because you're like, what the fuck's wrong? Just say him. Is, like, that, is that why you're upset? No, because I couldn't, because I'm remembering the feelings I had in that room. Because it's like, I'm so scared. I, oh, I don't know the, if I'm funny. You're... So I'll whisper it to Miriam and she'll pitch it. Yeah. Because you know, half of it is the pitch. I know. The confidence. I know. And, you know, having stand-up, that's probably why you were good with the, in the yeah, room. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sell, you know, a ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves sort of thing. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? <laughs> no. But, like, I could convince a room. This isn't bragging. It yeah, was yeah. just to demonstrate, like, you're tall and loud and you're a stand-up, that the, the correct blow to the scene was um. Yes. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And, and maybe like, it is. And maybe it is. And then I think those those types of players in an orchestra, because I had some of those on my staff too, are very essential. But what yeah. do you do for the violinist? That's what, well, what I would do because I knew because I was the violinist. Let's say so I had some empathy for the quiet person in the room. Is I the 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 louder person? Let's just call it that. Yeah, I'd say you are so brilliant. You're wonderful. Whatever, not fake because it's true. To the loud guy. To the loud guy. Person. I said, um, but this person has an idea I can tell because I could see it in their eyes. Oh, wow. Because so, I've been monitoring this. It's like poker. Yes. You're like, I, I bet this person has 
pocket king. <laughs> and this guy's up there with the do seven off suit and he's yelling about it. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fun. So and you so you, you make the person who's quiet yeah. talk. And they'll be like, Well, I had this little thing and I'm like, Come on, I know it's good. Yeah. And they'll say it and no matter what they say, you say it's good because yeah. you want them to do it again. Yeah. And even fun. if it's not, you just you'll cause you know it'll come because they know they're a good writer. Isn't that interesting? And there's intimidation. You have to be very careful because you can and you want your goal is fairly simple. You want as much material out of your writers as you can get. And that's it's oh, that's it's, interesting. It's, you want the best stuff. So why not you need find a, a way to do it? Yeah. But you also need uh, – it's a it's a numbers game. You want a lot of pitches to yeah. find the right one. Yeah. On my talk show, the writers would say this was their impression of me when I really hate something. So someone would pitch like, uh, what if Pete says he's, he's going to go buy ties and he tries on 50 ties? I go, that's funny. <laughs> oh no I just I didn't know it was natural and was I still just... don't know how to say no and I, yeah. I know what it's like to say an idea and it is vulnerable totally but I, I, I didn't know at what point then you hear about other showrunners who shall remain, remain nameless yeah. that are more like no what the fuck exactly like, like, that's that. horrible and some of those people are running like 20 seasons of an incredibly popular show yeah. so it's not to say that's no. not effective no but it's not it's not great. There was a, when I, I, I did a stint on Cheers a thousand years ago, and there was the, the writer's room was very, for me, might not have been for other people, very stressful. Yeah. And I was very young. And they go, we How need... How old were you? Uh, 25, 24, Yeah, 25. wow. Um, oh, yeah, I had a birthday. I turned 25 on that show. I had a birthday there. Hey. But um, Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> but they, it was like, <laughs> go around the room, and we just need a, we just need a woman's name. For this character, uh-huh. everybody, and they just pointed everybody. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, Fief Sutton, who I have worked a couple of shows with, on he was a young writer too. There, his and, name is Fief. Yeah, Fief. His his real name is not Fief, but he, he's, uh, uh, he's he loves he's, soccer. He's a oh yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's spelled differently. Okay, but anyways, then this has become a joke in our house actually because um, they go around and somebody would say Deborah, Nancy, Pam, and and Fief would go Lisa. He could go Lisa. Come on, Fief. And it's just like That's <laughs> so, so funny. You're like, what? How did He's, you get called out? So every time somebody d- makes a mistake at our house, come it's on, like, come Fief. on, thief! <laughs> really? Because it's so that made cringy. it to the kids. Yeah, it's, it's in the it's, house. It's in the house. <laughs> it made it to the house. The joke wanted to be a family house <laughs> bit, <laughs> and it's flourishing. It's living. That makes me so happy. But it was. Uh, but that's it. But the, scary. But also, how subjective is every single thing that's said in a room? Know, I know. So, but when you're dealing with something that seems like such a passion piece for Matt w- w- Weiner, yeah, yeah, Mad yeah, Men, yeah, yeah. And then, what was it like on the Cosby Show? I mean, I feel like, I mean, it says in the credits like Doctor, Doctor. Uh, oh. Wait, what's it? William, William, H- William H-, H. Cosby. And, and there's a lot like, of periods and funny and places. Like, that doesn't sound like a guy that's going to take your Lisa, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard stories that he's like a monster, but was that a tricky show? Um, I did two stints on that show, or three stints, actually. I did a, a first couple of years, and then I couldn't take the stress because, again, I was... Well, you told me the, the idea that how many million people were going to be watching it. Oh, yeah. 50 million people. 15 or 50? 50. 50 million. 50 million? It was, and at the time, our population was smaller, and it was one out of two sets on was on the Cosby show. Yeah. So that was, oh, that I was remember we talked stress. about that. The unveiling yeah. of the new theme song was always a big deal. Oh, right. for me. 
I never liked the one that was like tropical themed. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If I could give you, if I could give you half a, of the show, yeah, I'll give you a note now. Okay, get that out of there. Okay. But it, it, so it was a little bit toxic. Uh, it was tricky and weird, and it was. Um, and by the way, the tip on that. Let me recall our our meal we had together. Uh, the tip on that was that if I'm writing for 50 million people, I mean, I'm, I'm going to poop my pants. I mean, so yeah. stressed out. Yeah. So I would uh, just write for my best friend from high school, who was Dave Cohn, who went to Harvard. And I'm like, he's the smartest guy I know. That's fine. So if I can make Dave Cohn laugh, yeah. then I think I'm okay. Yeah. And he wasn't like all esoteric guy, but he, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it minimized the problem for you. Yeah, it gave, it gave me a focus. What is gained by thinking about 50 million people laughing at your jokes? Um, nothing. 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 It's horrible. Yeah. It's just and and if you're a if you're a very uh, fearful and shy person, it's it's terrible. Yeah. But anyways, I I did it a couple of seasons. It was not my thing. There was a lot of um, uh, it was a, it was oddly run, and I had a lot of arrogance. I was in my again I'm in my twenties, and I'm like, uh, we're working seven days a week, and I think the show could be a little bit better. Mm. I totally had a lot of arrogance. Really? And and the way the show was run at that time was that you wrote a script and then Bill read it and it reminded him of a story he wanted to do. Shut up. And you're like, wait, then who did I write this for? And again, that's ego, right? Yeah. That's ego. And they're like, well, oh, for the writing staff. And I'm like, mm. wow. I want to do that. Except my very first script on the show, they didn't show to Bill. They, that actually went right to the table because they really loved it. And it was like, and Wally Sean. The guy who's in my uh, dinner, you know, in, um, my dinner with Andre, <laughs> oh, okay. playwright, famous yeah, playwright. Yeah, uh, he was the guest star on it. So, uh, oh, and he fun. became like a semi regular. But yeah, so he, uh, my first script didn't go through the mill. How did that happen? The Bill Mill. The Bill Mill. How did? And so, it, and, and it was Mill very, very well received. I very really, yes. yeah. Yay. Hold your own ladder. <laughs> I'm holding my own. I ladder. got that from This American Life. Instead of saying "toot your own horn," you say I like "hold that. my own ladder." Oh, now I'm going to think of all the offshoots of that one. Isn't that fun? It is a fun There's game. A it seems of, like a yeah. game you could pass the time by saying it's something that somebody else is supposed to do for you that you do for yourself. Yeah. Which Fill they reminded the me that tooting your own horn is like blowing an announcement horn for a king. So it is something, but oh. no one knows that. No. So we just think you're playing a horn. Right. So, uh, Loudly or so something. this guy pitched some ideas, and one of them was hold my own ladder, and I really like it. I like that. I don't mean to hold my own ladder. I love that. Someone now we have, to, now, now we have to think of some other one. Anyway, so and then, the others, then I left the show for a while and did another show, and then I came back, and then I ended up running the show, and I said, let's do it differently. Running? Uh, Cosby. You ran Cosby? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you did it and it was toxic and then you came back and got... I so know. you are the fixer. I, <laughs> well, and you came back and what did you do differently? I mean, a, a million things. I, I made him... I, I stopped that process. Of him reading it and being like... Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, we're doing outlines and you're going to... You'll approve the outlines. You'll approve the outlines. We're not doing this nonsense. That's a waste of time. It's terrible for morale. Horrible. It's terrible I, for morale. Yeah. So. It's like if you... I don't know anything about the military, but if you have a platoon, you can't start every day... Reading the names of everyone in the war who died that day. You know what I mean? It's a terrible <laughs> plan. You know what I'm saying? It's a terrible plan. <laughs> you know, jokes die and ideas die. I, yeah. I've, I've watched a lot of things that I wrote for, for Crashing uh, die, and there's been a lot. That, like, I always told Val likes to point out because she's a good girlfriend. She always tells the story that there were 12 drafts of the pilot, they were very different. Oh, Very wow. interesting. Neat. Like the things that stayed were like these key, and that's Jed's, 
brilliance is he'll go, it's this and this and this. Mm -hmm. Everything else can change. You know wow. what I mean? And, then you're like, and I didn't mind because you're working with Jed. Yeah, yeah. But I've been on other things where you're not working with Jed and you're kind of like, well, this sucks. I really like – you don't, right. and you you don't, don't trust. trust them as much. Yeah, <laughs> but, you don't trust. So you said let's not kick our writers in, in the balls every day. Let's – No, let's work on this together. Outlines. Again, let's just do this. And how did you breach that with, with the cause? I don't know. I just said it. And then, because I was like, uh, there was a, it just, he had a respect for my writing, first of all. Yeah. What happened was he, um, I, I left, I did a year of another show, and then he let the writing staff go. And then I came back a few days a week. I said, he said, will you come back? And I said, I'll come back three days a week for a, a lot of money. And, <laughs> and so they bought it. Yes. I'm like, they bought it. Wow. And so then, the, and then the following year, um, I ran the show the last season. The last season I ran it. And then, wow. And then we just. So he respected your writing and, and things were going badly enough, presumably, that you, you were like, look, if you want, yeah. if you want this, you, you want this. We got to do this Let's this do way because I can't work the other way. But that takes that confidence to know what you're worth, know what you offer, and then to present it. Or, or try. It's very Draper. <laughs> it's very it's oh, my no. intention to take you home tonight <laughs> yes. it's very just kind of like it's my intention to turn this around and uh you killing scripts isn't going to work we, anymore yeah it doesn't i didn't present it I'm that sure way not, yeah. i'm like do you mind if we just do outlines that's how i present it sure of course but as you get older just, yeah. the story will start to change <laughs> i can't get much older <laughs> honey <laughs> well no you will your grandchildren will be there and you'll be like and i went into cosby <laughs> And I said, no, we're not doing that and cut out whatever you're up to. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that ruined all of our, it did. our show swag. It did. I, we had, I had a show blanket that was I our dog know. blanket. And I'm like, oh, and we no. hear this horrible news. And I don't want to talk about it too much because it's just horrible news. It is, I don't it want to is horrible. Show. And we're all like, what? No, I know. Well, I, I still have a number of Cosby quotes. One of them is, I don't know the the key to success but the key to failure is to try to please everyone yeah that's one that it's good now, it's great and I have to go it's, I'm sorry it's Bill Cosby I know. <laughs> like, I'm sorry I know. and then the other one is it's about comedy and confidence he goes the pilot can't get on the PA and say I'm going to try to land the plane he, isn't that great <sighs> Yes. The pilot gets on the PA and says, we'll be landing, landing at 12, yes. 13 p.m. Yes. That's when we're landing. That's true. Even though he is trying to land the plane. He totally is He's trying. He's going to give it we're his... We're all trying. Or she. Well, we'll, yes. <laughs> it's like when you talk about God. Or she. Or she. Uh, we'll try to land. But it, it, it does stink. We, I, but, this, but that's the... But, like but that's... But that's but I don't want to belabor the point, but... The, and here is the problem, and, and you, you've probably worked with the same. I've worked with many, many complex people. Yeah. And that man was a mentor to many people, including myself. Right. He hired a woman who had not run a show and had her run the show. Mm-hmm. That was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was but you. No, but he, no, he was promoted you. all of these people. Uh, African-Americans got, got breaks that, that they, they finally got breaks that I they well-deserved. And so there was a lot of, like... Um, good that came from that show and that's what's so upsetting is right. that 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 legacy will be forgotten perhaps because of uh, the right. taintedness of his personal life i know so it's a tricky thing it, it it raises an ethical question just in general is like if you really love a blues musician and then i'm yeah. like that guy stabbed his wife to death do you turn off the record i don't know no one knows but we do know uh the idea of getting caught and doing something horrible and then being punished like this feels 
it must feel good on some level to be like, let's punish this person. Yeah. And and I think it actually goes back to, if you want to bring it back to Draper, something's after you. And they're like, ah, something was after him. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not me. Something came to his door. Uh, no, it all kind of weirdly circles back. This is a very thematic uh, show we're doing yeah. right now. It is. <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. But this isn't like a gossip podcast. I didn't bring you here to talk about uh, Cosby. But okay. it, it got better when you ran it. Well, uh, we enjoyed the, the the journey more. What season was it? It was the last season. And the we, final season. Yeah, and it was like I had learned a lot of lessons from other shows, and I had learned that what I didn't want to do, and I said, well, let's try what we do want to do. Yeah. Let's, not, let's take lessons from what we learn, and let's, let's try it. And, and, and there was nothing to lose because the show had already been a hit, and it was kind uh, of – it's waning, and, now you're and so n- we had a lot of fun. You're writing for your friend who goes to DeVry now. <laughs> like, I know, no. I'm not as nervous. I'll see if my children laugh at this. <laughs> Something zip-a-dip-dip-dop. Who cares? You don't care. Well, that uh, you know, we were talking about the core thought of Mad Men, and you said you didn't want to put words in Matt's mouth, but I will. Is and we talked about this at lunch. Is I really think the show is about loneliness, mm. and giving language to that is very essential. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know, like I think about Halloween and how Halloween helps us face death. Obviously, it's October now, and, right, right. and that's necessary. Our our uglier things need expression, and and loneliness is very kind of ugly. It's not. I, it can be beautiful, but I'm just saying it, it's uh, in a harrowing, harrowing way. Okay. Anyway, that was a tangent. But when when Pete and Peggy are in his office, and I already said this to you, and he gives the monologue about uh, how his wife, he had this fantasy that he would hunt a deer and he'd gut it and drain it. So he's being hyper-masculine, right? Mm-hmm. And he even talks about a, a big knife that he cuts a, a fillet off of it. Mm-hmm. So again... I'm not trying to force Freud. I'm like, there's the big knife. There's his manhood cutting open an animal that she cooks and he wipes the blood from the blade on his knee. Mm-hmm. And that's his fantasy. And she, do you remember what Peggy says? No, you have she, to remind me. She says basically, I, I can't remember the exact words, but she's like, that's my dream too. Like, there's nothing that I, I wish I could do that right. with you. Right. So I, I suppose, I don't know if it's hyper feminine, but there is something feminine, uh, uh, traditionally feminine. About cooking for the hunter who's come home. Yes. And then he talks about, of course, Pete gets married in the first season. And he talks about coming home and realizing that his wife, and this is the, this is the clang of the bell of the whole, whole show for me, is just another person. Right. It's just another stranger in my bed. Right. That right. like real connection doesn't come from buying things or dressing correctly or smoking the right brand and drinking the right brand Marrying the right person with the right ceremony, with the right house upstate, with the right job and the right income. It comes from like these other things that often pain juts you into some authentic connection with people, some sort of shared experience. But like the hollowness of advertising is kind of perfect because we're all being sold something. Yes. Marry this, have these children, this, this, this. Always the next moment is when you'll be happy. Right. And the same thing with Don and uh, Lucky Strike. He's just yep. like, hey, it's toasted. Yeah, they're all fucking toasted. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This one's toasted. We say it's toasted. And that's what that show, why I can always watch it, is it helps me go, I'm not alone. I want to, I, I, I feel that isolation. We all do. Yes. Yes. I feel not just stuck in the, the costume, but in the body. Like I'm stuck yes. in here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel free. Yep. And I'm going around answering the calls of society. 
and they and they always fail. It always fails. <laughs> if I eat this sandwich, I'll feel it, and you don't. No. And 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 that's what everybody in that show is doing. They're kind of like beautiful ghosts in that way. Oh, I love that. Or the, there's the Buddhist idea of the hungry ghost, which right. is which is really what they are. Is is they're always eating. Very, very thin necks, big, big empty stomachs because nothing will go down. They can't wow. get any of it in them. Yeah. So that's, that's my take. I love <laughs> this, it. This podcast is a lot of me just <laughs> telling the guest what, what I what, what, what we did. You're telling us what we did. Yeah, I'm telling you. Well, I can respond right? to no, that. No, I would love. That's why I'm saying. Because well, I already of, told you that. Well, one of the things I respond to first was the very first thing you said, which this is what Mad Men is about. And one of my favorite things, and then I can speak to the exact scenes you're talking about, but one of my favorite, favorite things about the show is talking to people about it. Mm. Because that show, the way it was written and the way it was constructed, leaves so much open to interpretation. That's right. That everyone has their own interpretation. That's right. And they will tell you with as much it's a mirror. passion. Yes, that you just did. Yeah, the show is a mirror. Yeah, it, it's and so this many is what it's about. Empty vessels to go, it's about this. Yeah. And the knife is a dick. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is it Pete or is that you? Yeah. That was me. That's or the knife me. is a knife. Yeah, exactly. I knew it. And, yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah. Is what Freud said. But go on. So people, there's so much silence and empty space in that show. That it allows people to fill in their story. And mm. they'll they'll identify with certain characters. Mm-hmm. And, they'll, and, and there are the universals. Everything you just said about being alone and... and, and and that's the, obviously the best stuff you do. It has to be have some universals in it, right. where people are like, "Oh, I'm not alone." And it is a shared experience. And then people have madmen parties and all this craziness. I know. And they do this, but but the truth of the matter is, we would be writing these stories, and we would do um, the, the you know, say you did three stories in an episode. Let's just say they weren't always like this, but you'd get to like the second or third story, and you're like, okay, and we would figure out what the theme was. Not while we were doing it. Mm. Sometimes while we were doing it, and sometimes before, all three of those things. But often at the end, we'd be like, what is this about? And we would talk about it like we were the audience. Yeah. And then that would help Matt do his rewrite, because if he knows what the theme is in mind, the, the wordings will be angled toward that, which is fascinating. So you wrote it, then you talked about it, then he rewrote it. Yeah, sort of, yeah, pretty I, much, I, I pretty that's much. That's basic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was, a, uh, and that didn't happen all the time. Some, sometimes we knew the theme going in. We want to write about this, right? Uh, but oftentimes it would be like that. We were discovering on the way, and that's another thing that I love. Uh, is, is, is as a writer, you're discovering it sometimes with the audience, right? So it's we obviously before the audience because we haven't shot it yet, right? 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 You know. It's that getting out of the way thing. That's another recurring theme. Yeah. You guys were trying to make Mad Men. Yeah. You weren't trying to write scripts. You were trying to make Mad Men. Yeah, we were trying to make the show, and we were trying to make this moment, and we were trying to make the scene, and and yeah. That's so great. That's great. But the the loneliness and the the theme, what were some of the themes? Because they were probably different to me. (laughs) I know. Well, it depends. I mean, a lot of women will tell you it was a feminist show. <laughs> and you watch like the first season, and you watch Peggy come up, and, and yeah. we all identify with Peggy. Yeah, if you if you if you're out in the working world, and if you're not, you identify possibly with Betty of just mm-hmm. this notion of you know she gets to be a model in in the first season mm-hmm. and remember who she was before she had children, and and she had these lovely speeches. And again, I'm always paraphrasing, but just this this notion that that who I was, and and then it just dropped off. Yeah. And sadly, because well, we, we don't we don't recognize and celebrate that 
being a mother and having been one and still am, it's the absolute hardest job ever. Mm-hmm. And that's after running the Cosby show, which wow. was not an easy gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, literally, I was afraid to have kids. And I'm like, well, I ran the Cosby show. Maybe I could have kids. And I'm like, this is a hundred times harder. Right. This is way harder. Wow. Of course. And so. But um, we didn't honor that in Betty. Like, we still so- don't. Society still didn't don't. value it. No, and, so and they f- don't understand it either. But they'd rather her hold a bottle of Coke and, and stand still. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And would value that. Oh, yeah. So talk about, a ni- talk about a nightmare. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, the thing that I'm really doing that's a value is dismissed. Yeah. And, and then when I stand still and look pretty with a Coke, yeah. Yeah, I'm rewarded with money and prestige. And I, I can go to a party and tell people that I am doing some modeling. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. But that that feeling of novelty and importance and being seen, there's lots of different ways of being seen. But I think it's interesting that Don, I think it's so weird. These shows, Don having affairs and remaining virile, remaining desirable is this sort of, I think it goes both ways. It's not just masculine, but it's like we like watching these shows about people that go, I'm married now, so all I'll, I, I'm going to fill out as the show says. I'm going to get I'm going to get fat. I'm yeah. going to lose my hair, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to like eat more and more until I die. And Don is like, no, I'm going to stay gorgeous. I'm yeah. going to walk around in a Cadillac, as, as the Cadillac salesman says to him, and I'm going to keep fucking people. Mm-hmm. Now, ethically, obviously, that's very questionable, but there's something about it that that's addressing. Like what you said about Betty. Betty used to be a model, and now yeah. she's forgotten. Yeah. By a world that's playing with very unfair rules. Yeah, yeah. But we all kind of... I'm very interested with that, with, with, with how you maintain a, a, an element of virility and novelty in your but, life. But sometimes I think uh, the, the, you might be... Pardon me. You might be missing the point a little bit. Yeah, Sorry. please. Hit From it. my point of view. I'd love is to. That, okay, he, if he wanted to fuck somebody, he could fuck his wife. If he wanted novelty, he could do that. But I, I felt, and this is just my personal opinion, and we did this all the time in the writing room. Somebody else say, I disagree with you. I think it's about this. Even mm. we would disagree what it's about. Sure. Is that he was filling an, like a bottomless pot of coffee or something. He couldn't fill. He couldn't get enough. But that was emotional. Yeah. He couldn't get enough closeness. He, he, he would go to these people and he'd feel, yes, he'd have sex. He'd get high or whatever it was. Right, right. And he'd feel great. It, but he was also connecting to a human being in a in a very powerful, powerful way, and then that would wear off. Yeah. And so it was. It's almost it like the a hungry ghost thing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No matter no matter how much he gets. So I I completely agree with that. Then I wonder if there's another level of interpretation wherein I'm right because it's how people connect. Like the movie American Psycho. Why do people love? Patrick Bateman, like you can go down to this comic book store, we'll buy a, a little statuette of a serial killer. It's because <laughs> even when people are doing things where they are, talk about an empty character, dudes, it's another pair of wraparound Oakleys where we go like, look at him, he's out there. And we, right. we almost want it to work. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's compelling is you're like, oh, he's fucking the Menkins girl. Yes. Maybe this will work. Because yes. we're all going around going... Yes. Maybe the new iPad will work. Yes. So we're seeing our own drama played out. Yes, and they, and you and you want it to work. And at a certain point in that series, and now you have to be. I, I, I apologize. People don't want <laughs> if they haven't seen him. Fuck it. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but at a certain point in the series, he had a choice to go down the road after he divorced uh, Betty, and he could go with um, the woman. I ah, I can't remember. She, she was the blonde. She was a psychologist. He, oh yeah, he could do work on himself, and she was a loving woman. Uh, or he could go to Megan, 
who was easier, and the, apparently easier. Right. And when we grow, and he was in, it was a whole season of him growing. He was doing the swimming, he was in, yeah. right, he was in, internalizing, he was living in that horrible apartment as yeah. self, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he was uh, losing days of his life. Yes. <laughs> Wait, yes. Waking up with other people, it was crazy. And so he had an opportunity, and there was this fork in the road. Of course. And he took the easier path because we often, when we grow, we're like, okay, I can't grow anymore. Yeah. And, and now I'm going to Easy Road, what we think is the Easy Road. Of course, if you watch the rest of the series, right. it's not the Easy Road at all. Right. It's a, just a terribly difficult road. Right. Well, that's but, Joseph Gamble says uh, the treasure you want is in the cave you're afraid to go sort of thing. So here, isn't that great? Here's this woman. I've never even really – I bet I have when I was watching it, but I haven't seen that season for a while, I guess. That woman who gives him the survey that he walks out on like, yeah, yeah. like a little baby boy. He's yeah. like – I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Like, yeah. Again, it looks strong, but very weak. It's very weak. He can't do it. He can't face it. He can't face his <laughs> life at all. No. And then she calls him on it. Yeah. And then he can't handle it. And then he goes with what he thinks is younger, a, a new Betty that will, you know, Fulfill tend him. to the home. And then isn't, it's probably one of the best moments of the, the whole show is when Megan is like, I want to be an actress. Right. <laughs> and then he's at the bar and she's shooting the thing. And the two be- beautiful women come up and say, are you alone? Yeah. And Isn't that yes. great? It's and the he, best. Yeah. Because he loved her because she was almost like Lady Dawn. Or he, he thought she could be like Lady Dawn, which is really what Peggy is. Hmm. You know, Pe- Peggy's got some Lady Dawn going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he liked that about her. Again, yeah. I agree. It wasn't necessarily sexual. But he seemed to be turned on by the fact that they were like a power couple. Yeah. She was very naturally good at it. And then she walked away from it because she had this other more artistic, hippie-leaning. The, the scene with the three-way, when she oh, tries to get yes, him to have yes, a three-way, yes, yes. and they don't, right? I think they did. They, Again, I can't remember what we had in the room. Yeah. I think they did. I think they do. But yeah. it's very clear that he doesn't want to. Again, it's yes. not very clear to me imposing my <laughs> feelings on him. I was like, look, here she is saying, we'll have sex with my friend as well. And he's still miserable. Like right. He just wants you to... You can watch that relationship die. Yes. And in, and just like in real life, he's like, I completely support you. I want you to be happy. But inside, he's alone. He's like, oh, you're just another fucking person. Yeah. But that speaks to, and there is this personality out there of, um, and I've worked with that. I've worked with people like that. You're just going to disappoint me. No, I'm not. Mm. You can count on me. You're just going to disappoint me. No, really. You're going to disappoint me. And eventually you do. do. And you're like, I told you so. (laughs) And that's also could be interpreted as Dawn. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. So, well, he always wants to run away, right? He's always, and I think that's a big philosophical idea that I, I guess you'd call it a mantra. As I say, where are you going? I use it for traffic. People get upset in traffic. And I'm like, where are you going? Where are you going that you think when you get there, you'll be okay? But you're here. And where is Don going? He's always like, he gets the vein vein in his uh, forehead. And he's like, let's just go. We'll just go. And it's like, what about your family? He's like, let's just go. I just want to go right now. I want to (laughs) go. It's like, where? Because like wherever you go, you'll you'll be there, right? Like, and you're that's already, in the show too. Exactly. He can't get away. No. There's nowhere to go. And then, you know. but isn't that all of us? I mean, I spent many years Absolutely. doing that. I'm like, I'm moving to New York. Where are you going? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. When I'm like, I'll, I'll even have thoughts like, when I'm like, well, that's what I have to do. And then you catch yourself almost thinking, and then I'll be happy. Then yes. I'll, then I'll so I just, relax. And you will. 
And there is for some truth to it You're, for a minute. But the truth – But it's not true. It's not easy, but like – go but, ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but here's the hard part, and this is what I had to learn. And this is really what's hard for me is that, okay, I'm not running this time. Okay, I'm not running. Now what? Oh, I have to feel these feelings? Yeah. And they literally would be physical feelings in my body that my body could hardly take. Is that right? Like it's a kind of an energy that you're just like, okay, just stay and take a deep breath. You know, people are doing it now because they're meditating now. Yeah. Because they know that they can't always run because people can't, no longer can afford to run. Right. And so... Um, but you'd feel it. But this, so this you really- literally... And then the more you go through those things and don't run, the the more comfortable you are with the feelings and the more the sooner they go away that's something that we talk about on the podcast is like i talked about my anxiety or whatever and uh jeff garland when he did this podcast he he, he was like wave to it oh i love that and, and ramdas my my favorite spiritual teacher person is he goes uh he goes in all his work you you know who ramdas is oh Did of course yeah yeah in all of his work, all of the many decades of spiritual practice and study, he's like, I haven't lost one neurosi. It's just like all I do now is I invite them in for tea. And, oh. and he's just like, oh, hello. There I you love are. That. Oh, there's panic. And there's Jewish mother imposed yeah. this on, or whatever it is. And he just sits with them. Yeah. But, 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 but honing the ability to sit with them, yeah. for me particularly, was a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I yeah. say it like I've got to figure. I don't. Yeah. But sometimes when I have anxiety, the question is: you go, well, who's noticing the anxiety? And then you go, well, that's who you really are. You're you're the awareness that's noticing the feeling in your stomach and going, this body is anxious. You yes. Know what I mean, if you can get there. But how do you? And how do you stay in that place? Well, this is why you want people talk about. Or I, people that I listen to talk about trying to live in your soul as opposed to your right. ego. Right. And this is a great Ram Dass thing. He goes, the, the ego can't know peace. It doesn't know peace. It can only nice. dip into it for the briefest of moments. Like in all your drama, in all of your what you need to do and who you are and the time it is and the, the political climate or whatever it is, you can only occasionally be eating ice cream while getting a blowjob and go, this is it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, what am I worried about? Right. But even that, the ice cream starts to melt and, and, and yeah. the, some blowjob joke here, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Insert blowjob yeah, joke we, we don't. We're both better than that. But, but the soul, when you're in the thing that's noticing the emotion, yeah. that's why extricate ourselves from the drama, just like you're watching TV on your own life. Yeah. Well, it's to find peace because the, yes. the peace exists. But, but now let me counter that a little Please. bit. Okay, so if you're in your soul watching all of this, which yeah. is fantastic and peaceful, yeah, then sometimes you have to go back in the world and live it. Yeah, and and it's a weird combo because when you're living, you have to experience all the emotions because that's living, right? And so you got to get really mad at that guy who parked in front of your car, or right? Whatever. Well, that's what Ramdas says too. He goes, "I'm a fierce player." It, this is Christ's idea of in the world, not out of the world, oh, yeah. which as a Christian growing up, I always just thought that meant like, oh, those people can smoke and fuck and watch R-rated films, but I'm in the world, but not of it. I'm over here. I'm in, oh, I'm in my that's cr- a different ego. Christian village. Exactly. I'm over here and we wear white, white shirts and, <laughs> and we mingle. That's what Christians do. We mingle. <laughs> we don't fuck. We mingle. <laughs> but, but then I was like, no, it means being in it. So I like to say be in traffic but not of it. So you're in mm-hmm. it and you're like – but you surrendered to it. And you're like, yeah. yeah, I have to drive my car to work. But you don't have to be of it. You don't have to have the veins in your neck screaming. Right, right. But that, I mean if you it's figure out how to do that. It's a road to get there, yeah. It, but it's a good road. It's how, good what's road. your experience with that? Can you step outside of your life or do you feel 
I uh, did a lot of yoga for a while, like everybody, really? and now sure. I do yoga when I do the housework. I do a lot of housework. What do you mean? I, we, we don't have a housekeeper. We have a pretty big house, so I yeah. clean my house. Yeah. And that's very meditative. Isn't or I it? work in the garden, or I go hiking. But whatever it is I'm doing, I do that in a meditative way. But that's what yoga is. It is. Well, it turns out yoga is everything. We, we've turned yoga into stretching and all that, and that, yeah. that is a type of yoga. But most of – like uh, Ram Dass's guru didn't do yoga. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He didn't meditate. Mm-hmm. These are people that practice uh, – I'm forgetting the word, but there's a term for it, which is just life yoga. Yeah. I was picking up my dog's shit today because I had been lazy over the weekend because Val was out of town. So he was just shitting everywhere. And then today I was picking up shit, and I was like, know this too. Like be yeah, here. Be for here sure. for this and pick up the for shit. Sure. And do something intentionally with devotion yeah. because you're doing it fully. And it's so funny that you say that because Ramdas tells a story about being in some sort of a hermitage or like a, mm-hmm. a monastery. And he'd be a sign that he has to do the dishes for everybody. And he'd think like those poor bastards that have to go off and meditate, I get to do the dishes. <laughs> because I don't have a dishwasher. And, and I just this morning was washing dishes. Yeah. Uh, great. Because Val was coming home and I was like, I'm going to yeah. be a good boy. <laughs> the dishes. And while I was doing it, I was really there. Yeah, you know? it's and nice. That's yoga. Yeah. That's, totally. And that's you feel yoga. that. And, you do, and you're cleaning your house. Yeah. And you're not, where are you going? You're not doing anything else. You're no. not saying when I'm done no. cleaning, I'll be yeah. happy. Yeah. You're cleaning. And then oddly, part of that is my, my work because I'll learn something on the computer and then memorize it while I'm cleaning. What do you mean? Like I'll learn whatever. I like to learn about different countries or I'll learn about... We didn't even just, talk about Papua New Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll learn about whatever. I like learning new languages. I love learning and learning one could say and, and what many of the people do yeah uh, that learning is a meditation mm. so i'm like oh there's a big pile of dishes in the sink uh right i gotta clean those up and i'm like oh wait i want to learn something so i'll learn something birds flowers geography because whatever it is i don't know i'm gonna pick something really and you know whatever it is american history i don't care get online learn something and then i'm like wow that's cool and then i think about it while i'm washing the dishes this is contemplation yeah, and that's, then that's because I've, I've learned that if you physicalize, this, the information gets in your body or in your brain sooner. It's literally, if you're doing something physical. Physicalizing while I'm thinking about it allows somehow in my experimentation, I do a lot of experimenting, <laughs> not with drugs. but <laughs> No, I know what but, you mean. But that, that, that now is in my brain, and now I know that story about that. And, that, and so what, however that comes up where I can use that, it'll, it'll show up in my life. But nothing's ever wasted, so I'm becoming really, really smart <laughs> by doing housework. <laughs> That's great. It's true. But where do you get And that? then I don't resent it, or, or not that I did, but it was just like, it's, sometimes it's stuff that's just got to get done to make you feel better in your space. But it's not wasted time. Never. But that's how I feel about driving the hour and a half to work each way, Yeah, yeah. is I'm like, that's when I'm listening. This is why I'm able to quote Ramdas, because I've heard it so many times yeah, right? in the car over and over and over and yeah. over. And I'm just like, oh, I think it's in there now. Yeah. That actually happened recently where it's almost like pushing a, a cork into a wine bottle. Uh-huh. Recently, I felt that and it, it was just in. It went. It got through. And I was like, oh, nice. oh I think I get it. <laughs> like, I think it clicked. It stayed And this that was time. because of traffic. Yeah. Do you, you don't have a, a hard time manufacturing the will to learn? You just kind of always feel like it? I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I really am. I love learning. I, there's probably some endorphin thing or it's something. Great. And I'm like, oh, because all of a sudden the world's different. 
Yes. For that moment. It's just, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. But what, I mean, when I think about uh, the people, I don't know. It's my, my parents, for example, uh, like they're considerably older, but they seem to have stopped <laughs> learning. learning. Or, yeah. What they do That's is they, I know, I mean, maybe they do. I don't want to shit on my parents. My, <laughs> my dad will read some book about uh, Ted Williams or something. Yeah. And, and so he is learning. Yes, for sure. But what I don't see in my family is, is like an intoxication for learning where they're just like, we can learn today. Right, right. And let's learn about something that we're not even interested in. Right. Like what if I'm not naturally interested in this? I still want to learn. Yeah. That's what I get a lot from this podcast is learning things. But like you just have that. It's just in you. It's always been there. Do your kids have it? Uh, Yes. Genetic. Yes. Uh, Alex, my son, uh, the older son, is constantly teaching me things. I'm like, where do you have when you have time to listen to this? And it's like, oh, podcast year or this or that. And I'm like, but it's not just like current stuff. That's great. And young people stuff, I call it. But um, he'll surprise you with a fact about his history. Yes. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I'm like, what? Where? So, I don't know. And my son David loves learning. He's science oriented. So, oh, really? And I'm like, holy cow! And I try to learn science so yeah. I can have a conversation with him. That's the other reason to learn. That's like the the uh, well. Learn a little. I like my brother in law is a fly fisherman, right. and I and I love my brother in law. We don't have that much in common. Yeah. Or we do, but we don't. You know what I mean? So you learn about. And so I'm like, wait a minute. If I learn a little bit about fly fishing, we can have a conversation. Yeah. And it'll lead to something else. Oh. And it's true. Isn't that fun? And you know, Mad Men did that for me, not to bring it back, force it back to Mad Men, but for my mother. I got to sit down with her. I was like, you worked in an office in, oh. in the 60s. What was it like when Marilyn Monroe died? Like, I didn't even know to ask that. Right. Or what was it like with the, the Cuban Missile Crisis? What, what did that feel like? Did you go to a party? <laughs> Like, you, what was that? There, yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. Or, or, or all the racial things that were going on. That's so interesting. Yeah, totally. It's a way to connect. So. Yeah, but I, I feel like people will take the – they'll go to uh, Megan instead of the psychologist. Right. You, you, you're clearly going with the psychologist. Well, if need be. Which is great, which is really great. Yeah. Well, we always uh, – we have so many things. We could talk about Papua New Guinea – I remember you and I talked about smoking. And remember, I told you that when Ham did the show, Old Ham, uh, I was like, "Do you think more people smoke because of Mad Men?" And he was like, "Maybe." Oh right! <laughs> I thought, oh I know. I thought it was so I'm great. Like, oh, he might be right. I was just like, "That's such oh. a great." Because he wasn't being political. He wasn't no. like, "Well, uh, you know, there's no research to suggest." He's just like, no. "Maybe." Yeah. You don't. You don't. Yeah. You I don't, don't know. know. Same with drinking. Yeah. Well, My I, fear is. Mm. I told him that. And I think I told you, I was like, no, I, I've paused Mad Men to go and buy cigarettes, and I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, like, watching Mad Men, because I was like, it, it felt like eating linguine watching The Sopranos or whatever, but that's that's nothing. Ritual. Oh, I want to talk a little bit about your writing ritual, but and writing in general, because I know you teach and stuff. So those will be those things, and I'll say family. Uh, okay, but we... What do you believe now? We always end the podcast talking about God now. We talked a little bit about Catholicism. Yes, I'm totally different. I'm Jewish now. Really? Yeah. You we converted? even of that, yeah. No way. Yeah, like eight years ago. And are you spiritually Jewish? Yeah, I think so. Like no more so. Jesus? <laughs> I love Jesus. Actually, when I converted, I said to the rabbi, I said, you know, um, I'm converting, right? And he goes, yeah. And I go, but I have to tell you, I'm still a big fan of Jesus. Yeah. He's like, that's okay. You know he was well, Jewish, right? Of course he was Jewish. <laughs> he's like one of the big ones. Yeah, he's one of the well, biggest Well, that's the ones. thing. If you study Jesus, and I don't want to go on a tangent, so it'll be brief. I would love for you to go on a tangent. This is when, <laughs> we, this go is when we go on tangents. No, but the idea that 
if you if you study any of those, like I listen to those great courses about Jesus all the time because I love Jesus, is that it was so simple. It was so simple. He had some things that he said, some things he did, some things. Yeah. And then it got all wicky and wacky and yeah. and and. But if you go back to it, you're like, oh, he was just kind of doing some things there, right? And it's lovely and right. it's simple and 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 all of it came from Judaism. Yeah. So well, uh, Christ wanted the fulfillment of the law, and every time people ask him ethical questions, he points them back to Judaism. He's essentially yeah. saying, "Go be good Jews." A lot of the yeah, time. a lot of the time. Yeah, which is ideally, go be a good person. Right. You know, it's not that hard. It's, for sure, well, it is hard, but 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 there's some clear paths. For but that. you know, it's it is a cliche that we kind of weaponized, like a, a guy, weaponized. we a guy going around loving, and I don't mean. I don't. I, I, I'm writing a. I'm writing. A, I write about this a lot. I'm trying to do a book, and I don't think people were drawn to Jesus because he was like a super nice guy. I'm not saying he wasn't nice, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that's not very compelling. If someone's just like, "Those are the best cookies I've ever had," <laughs> that's what we. That's associate. Huel Hauser, if you that, remember him. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, Hugh, uh, the Hugh guy. Hauser from California's Gold. <laughs> that's who you're doing now. <laughs> Sorry, I only have so many voices. Sorry. But we think. I, I feel like we've reduced. Jesus to that sort of attitude, which is yeah. like, I love you. I love your, I love your sweater. That's a great sweater, Diane. There's no reason to follow that, and there's no reason to crucify that. There's nothing no. going on there. No, that's just toothy phoniness. Yeah. So here was a person clearly on another plane, like mm-hmm. in an, an operating on another frequency. And if you if you study the context, which it sounds like you did, you understand better what he was saying, you mm-hmm. know, and you understand the time he was living, and yeah. you understand the audience he was talking to. Mm-hmm. But we've turned that into like I always talk about how Jesus didn't talk about uh, homosexuality or whatever, right. and like, but I think if you talk to like a fundamentalist now, right. It's going to be in the top three things that you're yeah. like, well, Jesus, this, this, and this. Yeah. And the whole idea that America is number one. Nationalism is an absurd concept yeah. to Christ. It's yeah. an absurd concept to Christ. Separateness is an absurd concept to Christ. This is a guy walking and his feet aren't touching the ground. I don't mean literally. Right. I mean, he's not in the world. He's right. looking at it and he's trying to liberate you. Yes. And we turned it into believe in that guy with a magic prayer. You're going to burn forever. <laughs> he, he, he never he never said that. He didn't say believe in me or burn forever. That's not a no. thing. And when he talked about hell, he was talking about Hades, the because he's using a cultural reference right. for a place of suffering. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, it's I a whole... see I'll go on a tangent. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I love it. But we're lo- we lost Christ. Right. We lost but, uh, and, and I would contend to bring it way back to our mad man theme. It's yeah. it's all interpretation. Isn't that right? He was very simple. He left a lot of things open. Funny. So you're interpreting him. And that he's is your, what's cool, cool. He's your reflection. Yes. And he's, it's very cool about the Bible. It's like a lot of those stories people will just take and not will just take. They will take and personalize. And I think that's why it's there. Why it's so active. Well, why does a story like that survive yeah. all these years? Certainly for Universals. cultural reasons. But there's universal things going on there. And you're absolutely right. There's some interpretation going on where you're projecting onto, and that's what a good guru does. Is it's just a mirror mm-hmm. that you can look in and go, "Oh shit, I've right. hardened my heart, or I've this, this, or this, or I need to, whatever it might be, yeah. to keep me in the flow, the kingdom yeah. of heaven, not heaven later, but in some sort of presence, a, a presence in a relationship." Yeah, we all know what it feels like. Yeah, no, it's totally interesting, and I know people who've, who've gone through uh, very difficult struggles and life struggles. 
and they turn to Jesus because they're like, well, I'm going to turn to Jesus and give it up to Jesus. And it's in a, in a weird way, they've decided who Jesus is mm. for themselves. And it's like, that's beautiful mm. because you can relax a little. He's a shape-shifting Jesus. Yes, but it is a shape-shifting Some Jesus. of the shape-shifts he's shape-shifted into, Rob Bell, my dear friend who's a pastor or former pastor, spiritual author, all this stuff, he, he loves saying like uh, when people say they don't believe in God – He's like, tell me about God. And he's like, I don't believe in that one either. <laughs> Which is so... I love that. That's like you as a parent saying, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. like, oh, no, come over here. I have the right guy. He's like, no, I'm with you. That one's... Yeah. That one mm-hmm. sounds like a dick. Yeah. Like, I don't like that one. <laughs> when I look into the Christ mirror, I don't see that either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then these groups form. It's just unfortunate that some of the groups that form really would like to murder you for not seeing what they see in the mirror. And that's their place in the world. I don't know how to explain that, except for that's their place in the world. I understand. Yeah. And then, and often, um, you know, I've taken several classes and worked with spiritual leaders and things like that a lot. <laughs> and um, sometimes one of the spiritual leaders I worked with would say that, that God, and you've heard this too, is such an overused phrase that why don't we just not use that f- word? Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of times when people are having struggles, and it's funny because you I, said, said a lot, a lot of times. I guess I would call it a lie. Sorry, but a lot, many times, time. many times. <laughs> um, but I'll work with. I, I help a lot of people and the, the, with their struggles, as you do too, I'm sure. Yeah. And and I say, well, it just sounds like the world doesn't want this to happen for you right now, hmm. or the world doesn't seem to be turning in that way or the world's and it's just i just call it the world oh wow rather than giving it some definition yeah and it says it's just and it, it lightens everything because we've taken phrases and chewed them to death weaponized yes yeah that's right and, i love to say the universe is playing with me i think there's, yeah. there's really funny moments where i'm set out to do something that I really, really want to do. And that's when I can't find my phone, my car. Right. Keys. I can't find anything. <laughs> and it's always just, and I'm getting this from Ram Dass too, it's just a little nudge of like, look, yeah. at, look at you. Yeah. Look at you go. Like, <laughs> Aren't you, you important? <laughs> you think you're so important and you go into your big thing. Where are your keys, big shot? And it's so funny if you can, it helps to have a lens or a perspective like that to go, look, yeah. the universe is playing with me. You can look at that on a, a hard mat- material way and just be like, oh, it's just a random joke or whatever. But how we interpret it yeah. can make a difference. Yeah. That's really no, interesting. So it's, uh, I don't know. But then now you're, you do the Jewish stuff? Yom, I do Jewish. Yom Kippur? <laughs> Yom Kippur. Do you, do you Rosh Hashanah fraternity? Uh, <laughs> no. It's, it's a Jewish New Year. Yeah. No, I got very into it. I, I did a lot of – I got – I converted. I got an adult – Bat mitzvah, if you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I played on Did you on sing? The, I did sing. Yeah. I read, I read from the Torah one year. Did you point with the golden finger? I did. Yeah. That was scary because it was a big crowd. Oh, wow. And I played on the Maccabee ga- in the Maccabee Games in tennis. Those are Jewish Olympics. Have you ever heard of that? No. That's interesting. I would like to play in the Maccabee Olympics. You could. This is a you, Jews, you have to convert. Jews aren't good at sports joke. I know. <laughs> But it turns out they are a lot of the, no, lot of I the know. They go on to the regular. Olympics. It's a fun stereotype. Let us have it. Let us have it. I can. You can have it. I'm it's just not kidding. real. So, Mark Spitz, all those guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I'm sort of into. It. I'm on the board of our synagogue. I, I no help way. out. Yeah, you're into it. 
Yeah, I started going heavily when I was running Boston Legal because it was so stressful that um, I'm like, you know what, we should maybe go to, you know, on Friday nights, let's go to services. And I'd be so exhausted because it was a tough show to run. And um, I'd, every time after service, I'd come back with more energy. Really? It was just like, oh, this is working. Yeah. I mean, on a very simple level. And some of that's music. Yeah. Some of that's, uh, you know, a sermon. Say, what is, so there, yeah, I'm thinking there's of it the same There's a sermon, there's music. It's, it's, yeah. any, it's, like, it's going to church. It's yeah. the same thing. It's church. It's church. Yeah. And, um, Except I have to imagine, because if I go to church now, which I don't, like, but my mom always wants me to, so I consider it. And I'm like, there's too many things the pastor might say that will upset me. And I always, I always <laughs> I feel go like, that pastor then. <laughs> well, you know, I actually really like that pastor, the pastor of their church, but like, I feel like he has to represent, he's representing the church. Like it's a different thing. And it's also, that's an ego. There's an ego involved too. If it's not, if you're not reaching people, there's something else going on. I guess you are. Or you're saying he's like, a little more of a political representative. He'll say, I know he's like not uh, pro-gay or he's, he's not gay affirming or whatever. Right. Not in a hateful way, but right. he'll find some sort of way to be like, you know, it's supposed to be a man and a woman. And you're like, come oh, on, man. I go to different church. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. just little things like that that break my yeah. heart. Or it's any sort of uh, nudging towards ethics where it's just like, do this or you're going to hell. With the, or you're right. going to hell part is often not spoken. But enter the Jews is what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like I could listen to a Jewish sermon because from what I've seen on Transparent, they're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very practical. It's very useful. That's what it's I a mean. Very, it's and it talk. It talk. But like, like uh, I was a big fan of just because I studied Augustine. He and he called like what you were talking about ethics and sin. He talked about it as um, not your go to go to hell. And he was like, you know, he was the man. He he was Western religion. Yeah. And and he was his idea was that if you sin, you're wandering far from home, mm. and you're wandering far from happiness. Mm. And that's a lovely idea. I think of it like a river, too, and it's flowing towards your highest self. Mm. And sins, I hate that word. Yeah. But there are these things, because that's a loaded word for me. Yeah, yeah. There are things we do that strengthen the connection, and there are things we do that weaken it. Yeah. And you're free to do either. Right. Go ahead and weaken it. Right. But we know what comes of it. Like, if you get too many obstructions in your river... The water stops flowing. It turns into a pond. It's green. It's gross. And no, no <laughs> oh, one wants really to swim in it. Yeah. You really visualize this. You really worked it out. Don't do it. But it's not for some reward later. It's like you can isolate and you can hate your neighbor because they're Greek and you don't like Greek people. Right. But your river is getting fucked up, and that's that's something right. you're going to feel right now. But on and on the other hand, just to play the other side of that devil's advocate, just yeah. kidding, um, is that sometimes you have to do things wrong. To feel that. Isn't that right? To be a human being. Hey, that's a that's a rock in my river. Yeah. yeah. Like, but you didn't know. Yeah. You're just it's doing It's like when you. kids are like steal something. Yeah. They, they're like, that felt really good or that, uh, oh no, uh, no, now it doesn't feel good or right. whatever. You wouldn't know that unless you did that. That's right. So if you don't do that and but you try to live this ethical life without experiencing, you're living in fear. Yeah. So it's a weird thing. Right. I there's I have no need for a perfect always perfect Jesus. That's my I'm talking about my Jesus. I need <laughs> I need the learning figuring out his flow Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a reason he waited till he was 30. Traditionally we're like no he was perfect he never sinned. I'm like that's not very useful to me. No. You know what I mean? No. Like a guy who's here and he's like I'm here but I'm not really here. 
I don't even want to talk to that person at a party, let alone devote my life to them. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm just like, what use of it as a story? And I'm not saying this is in the Bible. I'm just saying this is how we've kind of reframed it. Right. Perfect guy, perfect guy, never sinned, never sinned, never sinned, never did anything. And I'm like, these days, I'm much more drawn to someone like Ramdas, who's like, yeah, I, I was a fucking monster to this person. Yeah. And, uh, I did this orgy over here, and that was weird, and I was looking for something like Draper. Yeah. Yeah. Until he found the end. No. And found the... Well, until at the end of the, the yeah, series, he found a little he found something there. And Augustine was the same way. He was like he went out and sowed his wild oats and and did his bacchanal life, and yes. then and then went and did his thing. And it's like because he was supposed to. Well, Jesus talks about gaining your life; you have to lose it, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think that's mm-hmm. what he's talking about mm-hmm. when he's like, "Oh, you're clinging, you're clinging to the idea of being perfect, and the path to perfection." if that is such a thing, is through all these fucking mistakes. Yeah. It's such a great thing. It's the, fantastic. The only way to God is through f- doing it. This is what Richard Rory says, the Franciscan friar. He goes, we don't come to, to God by doing it right. We come to God by doing it wrong. Yeah. And I was like, that's what was motherfucking missing from my church. No, no appreciation for failure, suffering, ugliness, depravity. Right. It was all... That's a really good cookie. That's a great cookie, Diane. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's going home and having a belt of Southern comfort and <laughs> whatever he's doing. Like, story, yeah. I, I'd rather hear that story, to be honest. Well, because uh, it's more real. It's right. the truth. That's it's right. Truth. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that's great. You're studying Augustine. You're and you're you find comfort in the rituals. I mean, this seems to be working. And yeah, I like those rituals. I don't know. It's it's uh, the Jews are very cool people. And they. This is a weird question. Very thoughtful. And they, they, I always talk to my Jewish friends. I'm like, I always feel like you guys don't want me. I know you'll let me convert, but I, you don't want me. They're like, no, we like you. What was your experience being the goy that comes in? Um, I, I belong to a Reconstructionist synagogue, which is very open, and they have a lot of um, uh, interfaith marriages, they call them. Okay. And so uh, I never felt unwelcome. I love it. It was never like that. And there have been occasions where— It doesn't where, surprise me, by the way. That's, a, that's my own fear that I'm like, they won't like me there. Cause... Yeah, and you, it just depends on where you go. It yeah. really does because we had belonged to a more conservative synagogue before that. And everyone was super nice and super kind to me, but there were rules, and I was not Jewish, and then that uh, was a little <laughs> bit of a problem. But on the other hand, <laughs> let me put it this way. Uh, converting or your own religious feelings, or like you said, your own Jesus, is a very extraordinary personal thing. And so for me, when people are like, oh, we're so glad, welcome to the tribe, I'm really thrilled. But uh, they're, they're, experienced Judaism, they're, they're experiencing Judaism differently. I'll give you, and then I'll give you an example. Um, we were in China, our family was in China, and um, we went to a synagogue uh, to have dinner. Somebody, long story short, somebody from here in LA, lived in, in in Shanghai, and we went to the synagogue and we had dinner afterwards. And but it was a um, uh, uh, ultra orthodox, so the women sat on one side and the men sat on the other side. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really look Jewish, and so there was a lot of looking at me, like who is that person? And I was an outsider, mm. and so I was like, oh, this is very interesting. I'm not feeling very welcome, and that's probably not a good idea you know, for them to be doing that. But that's okay. That's what they're doing. And so I, I'm singing all, or, you know, all the, the songs, if you want to call them songs, whatever, mm-hmm. prayers, et cetera. And they're also looking at what's like, how does she know the prayers? And, all that. <laughs> and then afterwards... Who told her? I know. And so after this <laughs> gaggle of women get together, and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do about this? And so I'm like, I know. I'll just welcome them to my synagogue. 
I'm like, hey, Shabbat Shalom. That's what you say on Friday night. Yes, Shabbat yes. Shalom. How are you? Welcome. And they're like, what? I'm like, how are you today? <laughs> and I'm like, it's like, so you're going to come to my synagogue and it's oh, right here, baby. That's so it's great. So it's, do you know what I'm saying? Is a, you became the welcomer. Yes. You were looking to be welcomed. Yes. And, and so then you, like, were, you were the change you wanted to see. Yes. And you're like, and they're like, what? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, nice hey, to meet you. Shabbat shalom. Yeah, how are you? God, I wish I could be in that space all the time. It that, would be nice. That beautiful appropriately confident, loving, open space. That's yeah. a great story. But anyway, but that's the deal. It's all very personal. Yeah, so. yeah. What about uh, dead? Dead uh, done? Or what do we think? Who, what, who? When you die, do you think it's over? No, absolutely not. Really? No, I love no, it. No, there's something else going Can on. Can I tell you something that I learned recently? Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I got to remember this guy's name. He's a modern Joseph Campbell, and I'm listening to his CD, but unfortunately, I forget his name. I'm so sorry. I'll find it out. But he was talking about how, like, the concept of infinity is, is, is like, clued at constantly that, like, the world, we know that if the world were destroyed, everything that we know, we're still floating. We're, like, steeped in infinity. So there are all these, like, clues from nature. We watch trees die and grow again. We know that we're floating in constantly. Now we know it's expanding infinity. This is an insane concept. So when the human psyche knows something, the world could blow up, yet look what all remains and look how matter doesn't go anywhere. These are mythic ideas that we got from our environment. Mm. You know what I mean? And when we had a closer connection to the earth and looking at the stars, instead of watching fucking television all the goddamn time, I'm talking about myself, (laughs) you'd free yourself to get into your connection to infinity and you'd be like, I don't think we go anywhere, but tell me how you got there. I love that. Isn't that fun? I love that. Yeah, I try to share new ideas that I've, it, <laughs> that I've learned. But that's t- good. What are your ideas? What I've never had. Well, it's well, been a, a while. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I've um, I've been around people who are dying and et cetera. And um, any I, profound experiences with that? Is that what you're hinting at? Um, profound experience. I haven't been at somebody's deathbed when they were dying, so right. I don't know. My brother did, but he said it was lovely. Mm. Uh, who our, our great aunt? But um, I've just gotten too many clues i don't know how to explain it um i know something happens and i don't know what it is Mm. and i don't know if there's reincarnation um it seems to be so Mm -hmm. i don't know if we're all here just um like you said the soul living in a body um being a a part in a story Mm -hmm. but i do think that's actually true that Mm -hmm. that that and again it leads you to let go of your ego because the story is going to happen anyways. So mm. I think there's something to that. I don't, I don't understand it, but I, and I, but, and, and this is not helpful to anybody, but I know that something else happens. <laughs> I think that's helpful. Well, I, well, it's like, I have no scientific, like you were saying before, and scientists have shown us. Right. Da, da, da. I don't have any scientific proof. I've just been um, nudged along. I have a very, very deep spiritual, again, that word like God has been overused. I have a very, a deep connection with uh, my internal uh, the small voice the small voice my but the internal instincts I know exactly where to be exactly at all times and, and what I need to be doing really I do it's a very strong strong impulse and it's allowed me to get through some of these insane shows that I've worked on because <laughs> you just been quietly insane. know this is where I'm supposed to be yeah and I how- discovered it along the way it how- wasn't it wasn't I, I, when I was young I just had this small I wrote about it in a little play I wrote once. There's this like bit of a friend, the small voice you said inside mm-hmm. of me. And so when I can get very quiet, I can hear it. 
That's what Quake, uh, the Quakers do. They they sit quietly because mm-hmm. they're listening for the the small voice. Yeah, and and then they hear it. Yeah, and I and I and I hear it all the time. Uh, and I don't hear it like when we were having this conversation. It's going too fast for me to hear it. Yeah, but it's there. Sure. And so, um, <laughs> and it all works out. <laughs> it just always works out. So when when everybody has a struggle, I'm like, it's going to be fine. It, it it all works out. And not to not to put words in Matt Weiner's and, and Matt, if you hear this podcast, I apologize. But his 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 small voice would say, "You are okay." And and well, that's what advertising tells us. But it does, but it also is a voice inside of us. For sure. That's been kind of changed. I I wasn't trying to say, on the show, Draper says, every ad fundamentally says, you are okay. okay. Yeah, well, where did that come from? But a voice that came to him that said, you are okay. Right. Which, as you can imagine, if you're running a show like that, you need some sort of small voice to tell you you are okay. Yeah. And that was the name of the production company. You are okay? Productions. Get out of here. Yeah. I have to name it. It's you letters are okay. Shut up. Yeah. I love it. Sorry, Matt. I gave a secret away. It's great. We were never supposed to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> we signed the NDAs. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> what good does it do to not tell anybody that? I know. <laughs> so, whatever. I have to name my yeah. company. I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> It'll come to you in a quiet moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're you right. think about it for a while and then let it go. Hey, there you go. There you're giving it right back to me. Hey, Jesus either lives in your heart or he doesn't. I guess. <laughs> that's another, well, that's another Mad Men quote. Oh, yes. Boy, you're good. Yeah, no, I love that I one. I can't remember any of this stuff. He, he, there's a couple key points where Jesus comes up and one that's amazing. Uh, he said, Don says to Peggy, he goes, you should thank me every mor- along oh. with Jesus every morning for giving you another day. That's one of my favorite scenes. Which is the craziest. It's, it's amazing. It's a great scene. It's just like, it's pure confidence ego whatever he's just like in god mode yeah literally in god mode yeah. and then the i forget who he's pitching but he says like i think it might be heinz baked beans i don't know but they don't like it and he stands up very draper he's like well i'm not going to convince you jesus either lives in your heart or he doesn't <laughs> oh, come on that's the best it's the best i've had moments on stage I, w- I remember i was on stage it was crazy and i was talking about how you can't own people this idea, Valerie and I, were not in an open relationship, but conceptually we are. Because I'm just like, I don't own you. I want good for you. And that's like one of the Lovely. mantras of our relationship. I was mm-hmm. like, I want good for you. You go be you. Uh, and then, so I was talking about that on stage. And literally, this is embarrassing, but I'd go, I'd make the point, And I was really in it because I'm in like a crazy manic state. It's not even very funny. And then I'd just be like, ears to hear, man, ears to hear. Which is what Jesus would say. This is insane. This is like it's like because they go, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." I love he's that. Just, which I is don't awesome. know that one. It, it's it's throughout the Gospels. He's constantly going like, "Hey, this and this and this." If you can hear that, yeah, uh, let me know. It's like Eckhart Tolle for sure. <laughs> you listen to that, and sometimes you're like, "What?" Yep. And then sometimes you go, "Oh." That's one of my favorite things about spiritual books, like the La- the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. I don't know if you ever read that. Mm-mm. It's about this big, and it, it's it's great. The first page was something I read, and I was like, what the fuck? And this is after tons of Ram Dass, tons of everything. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is insane. I don't know what he's talking about. Then I just – I had it by my bed, and I'd read it every night, that same page, every night before bed. And after like a week or two, I was like, ah, the cork went in the bottle. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. 
Ah! I, I, <laughs> Isn't that a, great? It's such a fun feeling. I think that's one of – and sometimes I even look back at what I write about spiritual things and I'm like, I have to have some coffee to understand this. But like you, when you're in that space, some of these big, big ideas make so much sense and you feel it. You don't, yeah. you don't know that it's true as much as you're like, no, the truth – Ramdas says, like, you know knowledge, but you can only be wise. Like, it's hmm. something you are. Oh, that's interesting. You know knowledge. And, I understand it, but yeah. I'm like, so then you can't be wise. But then how do you get wise? Well, that's, that's the question. Ah. And he was like, knowledge is one of the tools we use to get wise. Mm. But really, at the end of the day, it's just so you can know things and then realize that you don't know anything. Yeah, and always. Then, and then you surrender. And then before you know it, this is why old people are wise, because they've been through the ringer so many I know. times. They're like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I played tennis the other day. I was in this uh, tennis match, yeah. a competitive West Side League tennis match. My huh? partner and we were playing with these older women. I'm like, oh, we need to respect these women. Because they like, and they knew they could do these weird trick shots and these weird things, and they're really? just running all over. And it's like, and they're just like, we've been there. Yeah, we know. I love it. And it was, and I'm like, I totally respect you. That's amazing. It was, it's extraordinary. But uh, so you don't think you think we die? Maybe it's something else. We, we kind of covered something it. else. That's, something else. Uh, in other words, I feel um, pretty good about it. Yeah, pretty good about it. I don't want to leave, and I don't want my dog to die. Those are the things I don't want. Yeah. You you reminded me of another thought I had recently where I was like, you know those movies where at the end you realize every character was just uh, an expression of a part of you? Yes. Mad Men is kind of that way. It can be, yes. You're just kind of like, oh, Don is this part of me, and Burt Cooper is this part of me, and I'm Peggy, and you're all of the characters. You have those epiphanies where you go, oh, this show is about me and all the different me's. Mm -hmm. I kind of think that's what we're doing here. Like, there's one awareness... And it's split into all these things. I totally agree with you. And here we all are. Yeah. We're just walking around going like, oh, there's me yeah. as Janet Leahy. Yeah. What? That doesn't make any sense. And every once in a while, though, with the right coffee right. or the white, right quiet hearing the small voice, yeah. you go, no, I think that's what we're doing. Yeah. One thing is playing with itself. And as you said, the people that think you're going to burn, turn or burn people, they're being that part of us, too. Yeah, and that's hard. There's the ugly Except- parts, too. I know we had this. There's this one grumpy person at synagogue. They're always a grump, and I'm like, <laughs> they're just like, mm. yes. I'm not even going to say if it's a man or woman. Okay. And sometimes I go and I sit next to him. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And I can get him to laugh because you could do that, right? Yeah, you yeah, get him yeah. to laugh and you're like, pronoun, ah, cl- pronoun clues. It's a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. And then they smile, and you're like, all right, it worked out. And then the next time you see them, they're like, grumpy again. And you're like, oh, that's my grumpiness. Yeah. Why do I don't? Why do I have to fight that? Why don't I just let it be? I know. And I and then I'm like, oh, it's. I I feel a little bad that they have to be grumpy so much of the time. Right. And it's like, oh, but you're doing that for us. Yeah, you're playing grumpy. Yeah. You have to be like grumpy. the seven dwarfs. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh shit. Did we just figure out the we seven just dwarfs? Figured out, oh my god. <laughs> and who's Snow White? I guess that's us. And we're looking at all the other yeah. people going, but these are me too. Oh, now we're stoned. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I start having these thoughts and I like thoughts like that. And you get these glimpses where you're like, it's insane. Like, I remember Steve Jobs went to his, he had this monk that he studied with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went to him and they had a drink and he was like, I think I'm enlightened. <laughs> and I know those manic, creative places. Right. And I've had those moments where I'm sitting there and I'm watching in a movie and I'm like, that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and it seems so real. But I'll listen to this podcast potentially at another point in my life and I'll be like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But right, right now, it, right. it feels so beautiful. <laughs> 
I don't know if I'm going to disagree with me. Though. I feel, <laughs> it feels pretty good. You'll be a different person. Yeah, I know, but I hope, I, I hope I'm right because I'm doing this work for him and for me. Ah. Let me do the speed round and we'll get you out of here. It's been a while and your son's probably here. Maybe. I feel bad. Well, that's all right. You can hang out. What, what's the great... I like, these don't have to be profound answers. They're just... It's phrased profoundly, but it's simple. Like, what's, a, what's the greatest lesson you've learned about creativity, for example? Uh, we covered that, letting go. Letting yeah. go is, yeah. the, is the best tool. And um, uh, sounds corny, but helping other people, because when you help them, they tell you stories and they give you things. And you don't do it to get the story. Oh, interesting. If you do it to get the story, that's bad. It's like it'll know you're not pure of heart. Yes. Yeah. This is why we have these myths, by the way. I guess. Like you help people because you want to help them. Yeah, or you're supposed to. In terms like pure Even if you don't feel like it. And then just they help gi- them. They give you the flute, and you didn't do it for the flute. Right. And then later you're in the woods, and there's a monster, <laughs> and he's going to kill you, and you play the flute, and it starts dancing. And you're like, oh, I'm glad I helped that old man. Did you make that up? Just made it up. Oh, my God. Let's get excited. Let's, let's write that one down. <laughs> write it down. But, um, and and, and, and uh, leading a very, very uh, full life and, and, and learning new things and trying new things and doing... Because all, especially television writing, it chews it up so fast. Yeah. It chews it up. That's, that's what, you know, like, I know Aziz a little bit, and in between Master of None 1 and 2, seasons 1 and 2, he was like, I have to live a little bit. Like, I, I need some time. I need to go to a party and feel awkward, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And all of that. Isn't that funny? That's one of those, like, meanings of life. It's like, it's all working together for your writing. And it's also all working together for the story of who you are. You yeah. Know? And that's what can help us feel precious in any moment. What about family? Greatest lesson about family? Um, we touched a little uh, bit. On le- uh, letting your kids fail. Oh, well. It's hard to do. I was going to say, I don't think I'll be good at to it. Do. I'm going to have to learn how to do that. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and 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 I've seen too much of, and and probably done it myself, of not letting people fail. It just takes. It doesn't mean anything. It's the way it's supposed to be. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. But it might take them longer to learn something. Mm. Um, so, and and I and I would like my kind of rule was I'd say I can tell you to do this, and you can learn from my experience, or you can do it yourself and learn that way. One of them's a little harder. Mm. So, that's funny. Um, but one of them will stick. For yeah, sure. For that's sure. why I know. You know that's what the, the thing that thing never is. I never believed my parents when they were like, It'll mean more if you work for it. Yeah. I was like, fuck off. Like, just buy me a car. <laughs> just buy me a car. I want a car. <laughs> Those Pokemon cards. Now yeah. I sound like an old man though. I'm like, no, it's true. I'd rather have a shittier yeah. car that I bought myself. Yeah. And the other family kind of thing is that I learned that maybe your family's not supposed to be Obviously, your family's not the ones that were portrayed when I was young on TV, but that your family's here to, for you to work something out. Mm. Mm. Not necessarily to be perfect or any of these things that were shown. They're, you're there to work. They're your work. They're your work. Well, that's karma yoga, and that's what it is, karma yoga. Okay. So you, know yeah. you know all. You know all. No, I forgot. I forgot that earlier, though. Oh. Now I know. Oh, okay. Karma yoga is the yoga of life, is oh, looking okay. at every experience as, like you say, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And doing it devotionally is going, this, this is what Ram Dass says, it's grist for the mill. Hanging out with my parents, if it's unpleasant, 
shows you where you're still clinging. Clinging to what? The idea that it would be different. Yeah. So you have an idea of how it should be, and then there's how it is, and you want it to be this way, and it's not. That shows you clinging. This is why the Buddhists are telling us to let go, let go, let go, and saying yes to what is. And that's what Jesus was doing, not complimenting your cookies. <laughs> now you know what's going to happen. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go get a cookie. Yeah, well. <laughs> put it in my brain. Advertising. Very suggestible food. Very suggestible food. Oh, yeah, that's like Peggy on the date. Advertising doesn't work on me. Yes. Remember with the truck driver? I don't remember. She goes on a date with a guy who drives a truck. I remember. I just can't remember what happened. And oh, it's God. just it's such a great moment where she realizes she doesn't belong in her old neighborhood anymore. Oh, right, right, She's right, like, right. Oh, I live in Manhattan. Yes. And I'm an ad exec. And I forgot about that. This might have worked before, but this guy just said advertising doesn't work. And I was like, yeah. you're the idiots we make fun no, of. No, we were doing it for you. you because she's leveled. She up-leveled. That was. That her was first season. That's yeah, right. It's a good one. Wow, your memory's amazing. Well, now I've I've watched it way more than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's I was going to ask a little bit about ritual and and ceremony. Are you a believer in that when you're writing? Do you try and do things the same way? Uh, no, I do the opposite. Really? Yeah, I don't like to cling to ritual. Ah, because then I'm like beholden to the ritual. I want to. Yeah, I used to, and I wanted to. Uh, so now I. I can write anywhere, anytime. Uh, I don't have a desk. I, <laughs> I have a desk. That's not true. I have a desk in my office at home, but I, 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 I'm on my computer on the floor because I, I just don't do anything. And, and I don't sit and write. I go out and, like I said, I go out and garden or whatever. I, when I say garden, I don't make things grow. I just do stuff in the dirt. Right. And <laughs> it's, it's got its own will. Right. But, um, <laughs> and then the ideas will come in, I'll write, and I'll come write the scene. Or I'll, whatever. I just yeah. I find that if I s- stick to a ritual, there's things I do more often than not. I, sometimes I go to the beach to write, mm. and I'll just write in my car because you've got a laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never do the same place twice in a row because really? it's 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 stale for me. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll do it twice in a row, but I won't sit in the same seat every time. It's just I need the newness of it. Wow. It doesn't mean it's necessarily good for the writing, but it's it seems to work. And then you don't want to cling. To just having newness. Yeah. Right? Interesting. So yeah. you got to be careful of that. Right. So um, This is like when Reggie Watts did this podcast, he talked about like pe- creativity and he was like, if you all notice when you go up the stairs, you always lead with your right foot, just do it with your left foot. Yeah. And I was like, isn't that weird, man? Novelty's everywhere. You don't have to have an affair. You can go no. to the beach to write. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or like when I was working at Mad Men, was downtown and I lived on the west side and I was like... Uh, if I wasn't, sometimes I would um, carpool with Robert Town. That's another story. But <laughs> but when I wasn't doing that, I would take a different way every time and go through Koreatown, go through this way da, 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 on the way to work. And then one day a week, I would take the metro home, wow. not for convenience by any stretch, but just to like <laughs> bring life into me. Sometimes I take the bus home just to touch home. Is that true? I believe or that's you just, common. Just... <laughs> that, that wasn't me. I think that was common. Okay. <laughs> it's a great line, though. I think it was Jesus. Actually. And Jesus did <laughs> take the bus a Jesus lot. took the bus home to touch home. Yeah. For sure. Jesus declines the car service. <laughs> yes. He'll, walk. He'll walk. But there's water. Always. Don't worry about it. He's got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked you about that. That's a great thing. This is going to be, because you teach on this and all this stuff, and but... What comes to mind now, the greatest lesson of writing? The greatest lesson of writing? That you've learned. Oh, for me, it was um, uh, 
uh, letting go of things because, and this isn't necessarily writing for a show because mm-hmm. before I, but this was my old ritual. I used to, um, and I do some of it now. Uh, I couldn't write until I got rid of all the junk inside of me. And so um, for me, writing in a journal was letting the thing that bothered me most live on that page and it didn't have to live in my brain. Oh, wow. And so I was free. And every time I would do that... Because there it is on the page. It's Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I don't have to worry. Just now. leave it there, yeah. It's right there. You don't have to do it anymore. You don't yeah. have to feel that. You, you can, small, but you don't have to feel with the big impact because it's waiting for you if you want to read about it. Wow. And so that led... You made a record. Home. It's like this pain that wants to be remembered. And you're yeah. Like, there you go. Here it is. And sometimes there's a lot of swearing on the page, you know? Cause <laughs> yeah, it's like sure. That. So um, that's when writing can be a friend. You don't judge it. You just let it go. Yeah. And then you're free to write what you're supposed to write. Wow. But it's that dark. There's this whole, there's like art therapy stuff. And I did this once with a group of women where you were supposed to paint with this black color that was a combination of different colors. And it was on a very special kind of paper. And you're supposed to, and this is a particular time in my life that this was happening. And um, you painted with all the black. This was the exercise. And then um, when you felt like you didn't need to paint with the black anymore, you could use um, the special sponge and um, put it, it off. And, yeah, and the different colors would come out. It was lovely. Oh, and then wow. you use your other colors and you paint, right? Yeah. And so the other lovely people and I were all doing this and we got our papers and, and they're just, they do the thing and they finish and they're, now they're doing their colorful things. And I'm like, still working on the black. Still wow. working on the black. And they're like, uh, do you want to? I have no, no, I need another piece of paper. Oh, and I'm wow. like, get another one. And I'm like, and it took a long time for me to get the black out. Wow. But and then it knew it wanted to be out. That's that instinct I'm talking about. Yes. And then it was like, okay, it's done. Well, that's like, now I feel good. It's like what Pollock said. Uh, when do you know you're done with the painting? And he says, when do you know when you're done making love? Which as a kid, I was like, when you come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was I like, mean, what's wrong with you? But yeah. now I know what he means. Yes. He's like, there's a, something that says this is now done. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. Wow. I so anyways. It. So writing can be a friend. So it doesn't have to be a torture. It shouldn't be a torture. Because then you're going to, for me, because I've read a lot of students' work and other people's work. If it's a torture for you, that's going to pop right back out of the reader. And they're not going to be happy. And yeah. I'm going to need cookies. It's like a spell. Yeah. You wrote a bad spell. Yeah. And when I read it, it makes me feel... I feel it. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but yeah. it's, it's so clear it out. I don't want to wear the shirt you were wearing when you, fu- when you got divorced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, uh, something's wrong with the <laughs> sure, shirt. It feels yeah. wrong. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, let's see. Family, that's it. We always ask... We could talk forever, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> but um, we always end the show, and this will just be... The ending of just hopefully one of many conversations, but uh, the hardest time you've laughed or a time you've laughed the hardest to say it properly. Oh, my gosh. And it doesn't have to be a great story. I don't have a great story. <laughs> I remember the most recent time I laughed yeah, was that's at this, this thing that they, Public Citizen put on the other week. Do you know about this? Mm-mm. It was It's called Stand Up for Main Street, and they had about five or six comedians, a bunch of the... Um, uh, our friends who are also Raymond writers, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, put it mm. on. And Ray Romano was one of the stand-ups in Al Madrigal. Yay. And a bunch of these stand-ups were there. And they just, one after another, were... Killers. I'm just like, because I hadn't seen stand-up in a while. You! Oh, my God! You are the uh, one where I laughed so hard. No! That's like, what's your biggest fan? What is this? When this we saw be. you with, the, with Judd Apatow. This can't be. Yes. Has this ever happened in Arizona? I've, I've always, maybe I've wanted this to be someone's answer. When you saw me at Largo? I told you I was the hugest fan. Yeah. That's how we met. Because I told Steve, the <laughs> editor, on your show. 
Yes. Who's my friend. Yes. I'm like, I'm, you're working on Pete Holmes' show. Yes. I'm your hugest fan. Oh, that's so nice. So it's And it's not fake. Uh, I love the cookies I, I love am. these cookies <laughs> I am. So anyways. Oh, well, that's the best answer I've ever heard in my life. Well, it's true. Well, this was one of my favorite episodes of all time. So there's that. There we go. (laughs) Do you feel good? I really enjoyed this. You feel satiated? Yeah, I was enjoying this. (laughs) Satiated implies you came in at a deficit, but I I shouldn't have I don't know. Maybe I did. You feel good. This was super fun. Yeah, I'm so glad you could do it. And we always end with uh, the guest saying, keep it crispy, which is what you would say. So I said that right now. Yeah. Keep it crispy. Why <laughs> do that? It's so silly. But it's lovely. It's lovely. Thank now you. I want chicken. <laughs> and cookies. Chicken and cookies. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 